What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 50 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, and we've got a whole new cast here today. Ben and Jason got the night off. So uh, today we've got Flame joining us. What's up, buddy? How's the snow over there? Yeah, it's pretty wet, cold, and frigid. Well, Ice. snow days. <laughs> snow days are good, right? Did you sure. have to go to work? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Woe to anyone who stayed an extra day after PAX. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Immediately after. Let me just oh. tell you that. Holy crap! I mean, you might have been stuck there, right? Uh, potentially with with all the like a week, probably. Yeah. If anyone was flying out today, they're probably not flying out. It's crazy. Uh, but also joining us, as you can see here, is ZP and Hex uh, over in Denver, where they've spent the last month at the Carbon Studios. How you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, of course, well acclimated the Denver at this point, and uh, just hang out before we head out to the studio a little bit later to do not two but three best of fives later today. Uh, making up for Detroit, we're making up for Detroit losing power. <laughs> uh, there's no snow here, and I agree with Flame. Snow is cold, wet, and stupid. So luckily, the, our weather's holding out. There's no snow over there. That's crazy, man. It's like the winter, right? Or at least almost almost spring, but still. You Denver think weather be... is an anomaly. It just makes no sense at ah, all. Okay. Denver weather is more unpredictable <laughs> than too easy in a competitive game. Oh, wow. Wow. We're too easy on a, a competitive uh, team these days. It's been crazy. Um, uh, but all right. We got... He's really good at building teams. He is. He definitely is. <laughs> And it's something that we were talking about one time. He'd be a great general manager for, for different teams because you can scout talent like like the best. Uh, but we got lots to talk about. Uh, PTR, we're going to start off with just like, as always. And we spent so much time last week talking about PTR. And then, of course, a day after, they just revert everything, almost everything. So, um, you know, obviously didn't get a, get a chance to talk to each of you guys about the changes. But um, overall, let's just talk about the current state of it, which is all the Anna grenade buffs were reverted. Uh, Zenyatta's Discord was reverted. Um, how do you like Anna just having a nerf to her rifle right now? Blame? Have you, Star? Um, I mean, it's not enough, I think. I don't know. The, con conceptually, the grenade's really strong and like probably too strong as a concept in a game around healing and damage, right? So, I don't know. I think that they could have met halfway if they were going to nerf it. Like they took away a load of damage, then they brought back or end healing, and then they brought back both in full strength. I think they definitely could have like found a halfway mark there and just compromised. Okay. The grenade is ridiculously strong. There's really no doubt about that. It's also one of the easier to use parts. Of, well, it's weird. It's like easy to use in many situations, but there are more skill-based lobs to it. I will say at the very least, as someone who does play a lot of Tracer and heroes that can be affected by breakpoints of the rifle change, you're no longer going to get two shot by the rifle. And I think you will notice a difference if you play a lot of Ana in regards to how many times you can get kills with the nerf damage versus the old damage. But... As mentioned, I'm not sure it's quite enough. I would echo most of those sentiments. I don't dislike the grenade as much. I think that a lot of heroes, we'd be better off looking at cooldowns more than anything else because I think Ana especially, you see so many great comms in competitive matches where people are like, dart is out, grenade is out. So calling those cooldowns I think is really interesting. But I do overall like the approach that Blizzard's done in the last month that one, they're at least listening, and two, they're not going full bore on we're going to nuke a character or we're going to overbuff a character. It seems right. like they are at least meddling in the middle. 
that's mm. a problem. That, that's a really good point to bring up. Just because flame, flame, uh, disagrees. flame disagrees, but I will Maybe after a couple than, iterations, okay. it's in the middle. So, well, yeah. Yeah, more so than they were, right? Least. Because you can't have it both ways, right? You can't go compare. Let's talk about when Diva got buffed, right? Everyone goes, "Why did you change so many things at once?" And now right. they're going to Anna doing tuning. You can't go then with their tuning Anna and go, "Why didn't you change so many things at once?" It's sort of like, yeah. okay, you, you can have it one way or another way, and. In this case, they're definitely going more the route of moderation and adjusting Ana. But for me, if I had to pick between one of the two changes, I'd probably hit the grenade before hitting the primary. Okay. Uh, Flame, you had something to add there or no? Well, like, I guess on the topic of not doing too much at once, it's a little, like, the Zenyatta change that they added, like, kind of just throws it out the window, like, that through the shield thing. I mean, they obviously reverted it. Well, they reverted it, it now, so right. it's but not the conceptual yeah. thought process to, like, add it is, like, what's scary, I guess. That, like, well, I, think it, I think it's good overall that Blizzard's tinkering, and they haven't done that before. In the first like year of the game, it was like, this is going to happen. We're going to do all of this at once. So now, at least, I, the big thing for me was, hey, they're listening a little bit to some of these changes. Because when the Bastion came through on the PTR untouched, I think a lot of people felt betrayed in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jake mentioned it last week where just having such a huge change in Yada and having a huge change to Ana, it just forces this, you know, huge switch or influx of people stopping and playing Ana versus, uh, you know, playing Zenyatta. And that type of, you know, those type of changes versus just iterative small changes just seem to be, you know, so drastic that it can, it can be disastrous, you know, if they do make a mistake with it. So I, I definitely like the smaller iteration. Well, I mean, it's particularly worth knowing when it comes to support heroes that you're not working in a vacuum, right? It's not like a more developed game that's been around for five years where you look at one class of heroes and you have 20 heroes where you don't have to think, we've nerfed this hero. As a result, we're going to see X, Y, and Z with other heroes. Heroes can exist more in their own bubble. Whereas in Overwatch, very clearly, you have only so many options for direct healers in this case. So if you take away honor, people feel honor suddenly too weak, you're going to be pushing people over the Zen. And then you have a situation where you buff Zen in the same patch, and yeah, you could very well cause a mass exodus from Ana. So the support hero is definitely a little bit more linked in regards to who's playing what, just because you do have so few to select from right now. Yeah. Uh, also with Sombra, they added that hacked health packs can now be seen uh, by your teammates. Uh, pretty big thing, right? Uh, it, you guys think just charging Sombra's ult and having your entire team be able to know which health pack it is versus going on voice and saying, hey guys, it's that health pack over there in the room. So if you guys want to help me charge my ult, go over there. I can't say this with authority, but if I had to guess where that balance change is coming from, Blizzard has stats about what people are playing at every different skill level in the game. And I would assume that in those stats that they have there is that people weren't really utilizing hacked health packs all that well. And Sombra's win rate probably isn't all that high at the lower skill levels of the game, if I had to guess. So that's probably a change where they looked at that and said, we're not going to affect the high end balance much at all by doing this, but we are going to help people that are newer to the game and people that might not be aware of our abilities. So it's a change that it's a good quality life change. And there's very, I can't think of a negative by doing that. So it's nothing but value add. Yeah. I think it's more of a, like when you're playing the game, sometimes even as a tracer or something, you're like, Oh, look, surprise that health packs hacked. Like, I guess it's more <laughs> to get rid of that scenario. Where I, if you're on your team, you're like, oh, I can play around this now, or I can stand over here. So it's more of a, it's definitely just a straight buff, but it definitely has, I mean, definitely value and should help her in some way. Yeah, I, I agree with ZP2. I think a lot in the, the lower ranks, this will. 
well, somber players are afraid to talk because the moment they open their mouth, they're going to be like, off a sombra. Get the hell off that here. Shut up. <laughs> there is a, are you throwing? There is a <laughs> exactly. weird part here where everyone, you go into comic games, people say they get on voice. And yet if you have someone that does main a more off traditional hero, their best chance of getting through the game and not tilting their entire team is actually not engaging <laughs> and just going off. Because if someone like, for oh, example, man. auto picks Hanzo, but then it's on voice. People go, well, he's just on voice, whatever. Like they'll let it go. But if a guy sits there and then defends the pick uh, one way or another, I'm not saying who's right or wrong in the situation, but just general concept. If you sit there and defend your entire team is going to get tilted. So <laughs> um, That's true. Sometimes the best just not to say anything. I, Okay, well, that's pretty much it for the PTR changes. Um, I'm not sure what to expect. You know, we didn't actually see any changes to a, a reset this this week. Um, so I don't know if it's just because of a lack of data. Uh, we will talk a little bit more about the PTR in terms of Jeff Kaplan doing an AMA reset. Yeah, so that's all we got right now. We'll, we might see some changes this week. Who knows? Um, reset ships next week. So yeah. Be well, I think it's already just, yeah. I mean, at this point, right, it's just being getting approval from the consoles and stuff. We're just locked in, and I guess we'll see her as is. And All right, well, let's move on to a Carbon Series, since we've got the guys here. And um, we've definitely talked about some Carbon Series the last couple weeks, given that we had Jake. And, you know, he was just telling us from the perspective of LG Evil, which was, you know, they were just dominating. Uh, but it'd be good to get a um, just, just y'all's take on it. Y'all's take on just, you know, being in Denver for long, in the Carbon Studios, and how those guys are treating you. Uh, but overall, what do you guys think? Just Carbon Series of, of for casting and just working it. Overall, it's been a great experience. Uh, there's really nothing more to say in regards to that. The people we've been working with have been great. Carbon has a great mind for how they've been setting up the series. I think the games have been very good so far. The teams involved have enjoyed. We've had storylines that we didn't necessarily expect coming in that have developed. Uh, some storylines we did expect. Uh, um, for an event that is being done online but in studio production, I couldn't really ask for anything more. I think when they first pitched it to us, what I was most excited about was to do something consistent and just to bring consistent every day of the week Overwatch because weekend events are fun and, and tournaments are fun to run for a weekend or something like that. But I think you really get identities of teams. You find out who teams are, who they're good against and having this giant format of 10 games over five weeks and that. It's just I've always liked esports where I know on Monday night I can tune into this. On Tuesday night I can tune into this. I like that regimented schedule. That was a big selling point for me. And yeah, the Carbon guys have been great. They take our feedback. We take their feedback. We're trying to get better every week and try to go things going. And uh, Denver's been great. And living with ZP has been more than tolerable, surprisingly. Also, uh, <laughs> real quick here, uh, Chad, man. Uh, more than tolerable. So, I mean, he's not saying it's been great, yeah. but he hasn't wanted to leave midway through that's high praise from me right so uh one uh, quick note here uh going in here chan man chad is saying you should make like lucio and turn up the volume at least for uh, me and hex uh, okay sure coming in pretty well we must be heard we're, we're we must be heard <laughs> amp it up amp it up <laughs> exactly okay well, well we've amped it up so hopefully you guys can hear them a little bit better uh flame you've been catching all the matches yeah, I mean, I think like I'm obviously not there or whatever, I, but I think from my perspective, it's a little hard sometimes to like the teams. There's so much roster swapping going on right now during this tournament. I mean, that's been the case for all the tournaments, but like that's my only criticism. But that's not the org. That's like the teams themselves that are like, oh, we can't get five, six people in the server. Like I think Immortals just play with a sub like three games in a row or something. Just yeah. like stuff like that it makes it like so. I don't know. It like ruins some of it for me, but 
That's chill. You're in a tough spot as a tournament organizer too. There are some rules yeah. in there about roster swaps and about penalties and things like that. But the the Overwatch rosters have been so volatile since the beginning of Overwatch that you can't say, "Well, you're forfeit now. You're out." Because yeah. if you did that, you would you'd end up with at this point six teams in it because of all the roster swaps. So we try to balance it between you can't bring in new players every week because it gets difficult for the viewer's sake as well. But like we don't want to penalize you having you forfeit games. We're trying to do some sort of well, balance there. It's hard to strike. Well, for tournament organizer perspective you are cutting off your nose to spite your face at that point where you go <laughs> why are you guys doing this here's a forfeit as a penalty by the way we now have half our content planned for the night i'm not i'm not like flaming the tos or anything i just think yeah. it's like the scene itself is making the tournament harder uh, it's making it harder as a viewer to like get behind some of the matches where you're like oh liquid playing with a new player this week and immortals with their third sub of the tournament and like, you know, a Renegades with their second Genji this month, it's it's like, it's just, yeah. the NAC needs to <laughs> well, get their shit together, so is more or less what I'm trying in, to say. In defense of Immortals, uh, what's been going on with them is basically unavoidable. I think there were two main things here, which is that Hyped had it in one match, uh, or actually, this, I think this goes back to your yeah, Overwatch Monthly Melee, yeah. yeah, but regardless, but we were talking about sub-situations with Immortals, it was Hyped's computer dying, and then it was uh, Ethan who I think had a death in the family, so yeah. that's... You can't really plan around that, so I give Immortals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immortals can have the pass, but complexity, like complexity, new tanks, <laughs> like I don't know. It's like, I give them headache, pass man. because yeah. so for complexity, their first roster shift, of course, was uh, they Winghaven left the team, Harblue left. They couldn't deal with that, so they brought in Ko and Chow, who did not cover themselves in glory, so they were removed. And then you had Bishu and Decop come in, and as far as I know, Bishu and Decop were welcome to stay with complexity, but. They both left for different reasons, where Bishu was picked up by uh, an anonymous organization. Who knows, uh, <laughs> what info will get about classic, that? Classic <laughs> NA Overwatch. And uh, so Bishu, that was a complexity choice. And then Decop, I think, went to the spicy method roster of things. Or right. That's what we're going to be calling that, where it's method, but spicy players are on it. So for complexity, that was really out of their control. They couldn't keep yeah, those no, two I, I hear it. It's just, yeah, it's just his, how it is. If you want to stay on complexity, you have to be good, but not too good, apparently. that's They're trying to find that line in between there. Then LG Loyal switching off yeah. some things. They well, there's like that something. mentality, right? There's but, a mentality of like, I don't want to be the person that solves these teams' problems. Like, I'd rather someone else solve mine. You know, it's like, you don't want to be the new, if you're a new player, you don't want to be the best player on the roster. Yeah. That's kind of a thing. It's true. So, it's definitely true. So I guess the theme of this is if your roster can stay consistent, then you're going to be winning. <laughs> so I mean, well, how much of this? Well, uh, well, tell Immortals that I don't know. Or, or LG Loyal, who's not so loyal <laughs> anymore. True. Like I don't know. It's LG disloyal. LG Loyal hasn't changed. Yeah. I mean, they haven't had sub at all, right? During these. Well, no, so. they they swapped out too. Oh, they again, oh, they're oh, another team. Right. You, you forget, dude. That's you actually just forget like how crazy. many teams lost players. <laughs> yeah. Like we just went through six rosters that have swapped two players each. Yeah, and now we have, I mean, Renegades with Ico last night. Just... Mm -hmm. Yeah, LG Evil seems to be the only one that's uh, been pretty consistent with the roster. And, you know, they've it's shown, I mean, with the standings yeah. being 7 0 right now. But on the same note, it's also very easy to keep your roster consistent when you're winning every game. <laughs> I know. What <laughs> are you going to have there? All right, guys, we're just winning too much. Let's change it up. I mean, not every team can be the old school IDD QB team that did just that. Yeah going way back into the day. True. Uh, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about the standings then. So um, you just mentioned that LG Evil is 7-0, and we got Renegades, who was in second place, you know, just with one loss actually going into last night. Uh, played a tight series with uh, the LG Evil guys and went, uh, ended up losing 3-2. It was competitive, even with Aiko playing with them. And um, I think 
a lot of us, I think including you guys too, went into it thinking that LG Evo would handle Renegades pretty, you know, easily, maybe 3-1, 3-3-0 there, but it was much, much tighter. So what does that tell us about? Was it the comp issue? I know you were mentioning a lot of uh, Mangaju playing Farah and um, LG Evo not really responding with your typical hitscan character to deal with it. LG Evil clearly went in with approach of saying, well, we can ignore Mangachu and then just beat them with our game. And their game was putting Jake on the Genji. And clearly that did not work out because the problem is, is that an uncontested Farah can literally just float above you, get healed, lay down a lot of damage. You have to do something to contest it. And yeah, I mean, at that point, you're riding the Farah. You don't necessarily have the best things to deal with the Genji, but the Farah is applying a lot more pressure to your backline than the Genji is, who's getting checked more naturally by other tanks and things that Farah can work around at many points. So LG Evil just had a bad game plan for dealing it, and it's rough. I, I actually didn't dislike their approach as much as ZP did because I've always been of the favorite either Magachu is your number one priority or your number six and it seemed like they were just going to ignore him and you can do that sometimes especially with a player like Magachu who will take himself out of the fight sometimes you don't even have to worry about it Magachu's off doing his own thing a mile away and you're already fighting 6v5 and as much as I like him he does that to himself sometimes we saw it in like game five last Towards night the he end. Taking, yeah, especially. yeah he started taking himself yeah. out of fights anyway so I think the, the approach is okay uh, but it, it baffled me a little bit because LG Evil isn't in the same boat as like complexity where they just don't have the tools to deal with that Farah. LG Evil has every tool in their kit to be able to deal with a Farah, so they were just a little stubborn on it. I think a lot of that might be and again, I hate trying to dive into the minds of a team, but no, like we're seven and oh, well, let's play what we want, we'll be able to deal with it. We don't have to make the adjustments, but I, I mean, eventually they adjusted, but Mangachu has shown time and again that he will take himself out of games and you can ignore him sometimes. And just to add on to that for a quick moment, too, is that. Rogue gave you the blueprint for how to embarrass Renegades. Yeah. It was right there in the Overwatch Monthly Melee where they just said, okay, we're going to run Ana, we're going to run McCree, and the Ana is going the double-team Pharah with McCree anytime he shows his face, and Mangachu just was thrown out of the sky with authority. And then no one else has really taken that approach to punish Renegades quite in the same way, and I get it. Not every team has uh Ana on the same level of Unko or even Korea on the same level of AKM, but at least make the attempt. Well, you've got Rob and Jake, who at the very yeah. least are like the NA versions of those two. They've been playing extremely no, well. Yeah, they're Rob they're combo. plenty capable of doing that. Yeah. Uh, Flame, what's your take on? Um, I mean, I thought Renegades played well. I thought Iko. I mean, you guys were a little hard on Iko last night. I felt I felt like he played insanely yeah. well given his circumstances. I don't but, think um, I was, and for Iko, I don't think I was particularly hard on him at all. I think the thing that I mentioned with Iko is that. I mentioned that I didn't think Saipei was necessarily the problem with that roster. Oh, was, I've, the, I've heard way weird. I mean, I've heard that they have like really weird toxicity issues, but that's another story, right? Yeah. Well, that's the, an, the, NA, the, that's the, an NA classic as well. I mean, <laughs> it's just like my, my, I guess my thoughts on the match though, were that I don't know why they keep like anytime that Mangachu has to play 76, it's just like an automatic loss. And I mean, I don't mean that in like a rude way, <laughs> but like he just should not ever play 76. Like if they're the Gibraltar match was like, I think the turning point. Cause they were up what two to one, I think actually. And then fourth map was Gibraltar, fifth map was Iken. Mm -hmm. But they got so absolute dumpstered on Gibraltar <laughs> that I think that it was just demoralizing. Like after that, like J3 was playing super well on Tracer the entire night. And then Gibraltar happened. I think like all of the momentum that he had just went away. The thing that was troubling to me about Gibraltar is that, again, when you talk about this idea of blueprints and what you know what teams are doing, and maybe this comes to the idea that teams don't have really good coaching or analysts in the scene, is that we knew going into the cast exactly 
how LG Evil was going to play Gibraltar, where they were going to hold. And we also saw how to make them look bad on that map where Rogue, not only they set a blueprint for how to deal with things that Renegades did, but they also set a blueprint for how to work around LG Evil on a map like Gibraltar. And part of that is not fighting where they clearly have practiced and like fighting most in the server room. And what do we see there for the first defense coming out from the side of Renegades? They challenge them in the server room in a haphazard way, get blown away, and just momentum just snowballs. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't even like haphazard. It was like with a seventy-six, like the worst yeah. hero in the game, to go <laughs> into that room. And then like juvenile. I remember juvenile just charging in like into six people into a corner, and just I think someone got sleep darted. It was just like the absolute worst case scenario for that fight. Yeah. Whereas like the obvious way to deal with it is just keep rotating high ground and then let the cart roll backwards because the cart was actually rolling backwards the entire time. They had zero people on the cart. We'll say about Renegades and just about Ico to touch on that is I feel that their Genji play has been tethered in a large part, but mostly because Mangachude gets the brunt of the healing. He gets focused mm-hmm, so hard. Sure. And that was the issue with Saipei that Saipei would still go out and he would get killed because he just didn't have the support. And last night it felt like Ico was on a very short leash. He had Dragon Blade up in a lot of opportune times that he just didn't bust out. Maybe that's because the team didn't want him to, or he felt he couldn't, didn't want to make a bad looking play on his first time on the team. But he felt very, I don't think you can play Genji in that style and expect the success that you need out of your Genji player. He, he held that blade, I think, over two maps way too long several times. Well, no, and you look at when Genji has done well for other teams. For example, when Shadowburn was at his peak, FaZe was built around really giving Genji that power. So you're sort of, it's like, go play Genji, try and get results. By the way, we're throwing most of our support to Mangachu. Good luck. Well, most teams that you're seeing right now are throwing all their their supports to, to Genji. You know, the, the Dragon Blade does determine, uh, or at least it leads off a lot of the, the skirmishes that we see, uh, even in the Apex series. So I think that's the most common way, or the common yeah, meta in, in well, like, they have like a right weird, now. They have like weird game like theory, I guess. I don't even know if it's there, if it's just, I mean, I, I understand that their coaching isn't like there yet or whatever, but like to not run Reinhardt on Eichenwald offense second point like just seems so hard to execute when you don't have like a Zarya even like they're literally running a comp with no stuns or like control and they like it's they make it infinitely harder for themselves I think sometimes their Eichenwald second is odd they feel like their DPS are going to be their initiators every single time and we've seen them struggle to take that high ground because of it because they play a little bit alone I'm thinking even when Saipe was on that team just crawling up the wall and meeting a Winston up top all by himself there was so <laughs> well, there was, there was <laughs> that's right that was weird there was a fight that's yesterday true. I'm sure you guys remember I don't know what happened but I think they got like they somehow wiped I think they like somehow wiped them but then they didn't push them into the spawn door and they wound up just getting counter wiped and that was the end like they they had an opportunity i think to like take complete control of the high ground but they just like didn't but that goes back to them not having a Ryan or like a McCree or something and like, well, they they also want to play outside of spawn too and that mm-hmm. aggression gets punished sometimes there's also the entire idea too uh, going the last night where i this i don't think there's a sample sizes here yet where we can say this definitively but i do think there is concern over renegades and their ability to actually play multiple sets of game and do well. They did not do well in Overwatch Monthly Melee when they had the play deeper into the night, particularly on day two. We saw them end up throwing away a series early in Carbon to a reverse sweep, and then here again, they're up to one, and their last two maps are an utter disaster. So it, it's hard to think about why that would really be happening. I mean, you'd have to know more about the internals of the team. But from the outside looking in, that's a bit worrying for Renegades, particularly when esports is going to have very long days, very long sets, especially as you start getting to live events. So they got to play I mean, at one in the morning. Is that a? I mean, is that a map type of issue, or you think it's just more of a mental stamina 
issue. It, it could be both really based on how carbon works is because we, we have map pools for map four and five that just yeah. might not be what they're very good right. at. But still some of the stuff I'm saying, you have to, you have to infer that it might be fatigue. Just, it gets sloppier. It's not necessarily map style play or like they, they didn't win this fight because of this. It's that they're not talking. It looks like they're just flanking solo. It does look just that they get sloppier and sloppier as the night goes on. Yeah. I mean, when you get world recorded on Gibraltar, I think your entire I mean, it's just like it. I, I know what you're saying. It's just weird. That, like that whole Gibraltar scenario was like so avoidable, <laughs> and they just they made it look like it was like I don't know. They they made the worst out of a bad situation. It was like whatever the opposite of making lemonade out of lemons is. Yeah, yeah. It's like when my like, like, yeah, they literally just like <laughs> opened the lemons and like stuck them in their eyes or something. Like that. So, <laughs> so let's let's talk about LG Evil. I mean, we've we've obviously focused a lot on, on Renegades. So how good is LG Evil? I mean, clearly their best team here. I, I you know, they'll probably win this event. Um, but how do they measure up against the next tier of teams? Because I think that's the next step. We're, we're waiting that's for them to be able to do. Right? That's the yeah. Well, we saw that uh, certainly when we look at the last Overwatch Monthly Melee, they were the only team to take a map off of Rogue. Admittedly, they couldn't do that with the more meta-friendly style. They had to revert to four older tanks, styles tank, and yeah. going the four tank. However, I think when you take a look at how they've been playing and what and mostly their team history here, unlike other teams in the scene that are f- filled with crusty old veterans that may or may not have the same practice schedule. I'm saying the word crusty. It's a great word uh, to describe (laughs) the the veterans in the scene. But for LG Evil, they're full of younger players that are really just revolving completely around Overwatch. So I think their potential to improve and start catching teams uh, could be undefined here. We'll get a better idea going into the next Overwatch Monthly Melee where we haven't announced the teams here, but spoiler alert, LG Evil is going to be one of the teams. Rogue's going to be one of the teams. Uh, no big surprise there. So we'll see how they do if there is, in fact, a rematch. And it's going to be interesting because I think they're a team with a lot of developmental potential. I, I would agree. I would also caution patience with this team be when they do start going up against the, the higher levels of NA and then Rogue as well. If they lose a couple, don't write them off right away. They're a team that can adjust to how teams play. They can change their style. Like I said, they have every tool in their kit. So right now, I don't think they're necessarily being tested and pushed in the way they need to be. So if they do lose a couple of stinkers, I would give them a little bit more time, give them some leeway. But I don't think they will uh, going against Rogue. And the AMM coming up or OMM now coming up should be <laughs> should be great. And I don't know how many more spoilers we want, but it should be a really good one. Yeah, I mean... They struggle with Renegades, right, at the end of the day. <laughs> so they'll, yeah. they'll do fine. It's just, I don't know. They did, but they're, the capable. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're capable. They're they're capable. But they have, yeah. like, their days where they definitely don't look as convincing as they have. And that just that. takes more, you know, more games against the top, top teams and getting used to that. Mm. Uh, but I'm excited. They're, they're definitely the rising team, I think, out of... Um, okay, on a different note, let's talk about Team Liquid, who seems to continue to be struggling here Uh-oh. and and oh gosh oh uh, so i want to yeah i want to get your thoughts on that i mean is is this you know is this something where they're just going to have to start over here with with this team or is are, you know are is there still more hope i mean everybody keeps holding on hope with that roster because there are just some you know very very notable people on on the roster what do you guys think Team Liquid, they're in the weird spot where they're not, you look at them and they're not completely hopeless because they do have brighter spots here. I mean, clearly adding Shatter to the roster was a big upgrade that gave them options Mm -hmm. that they have previously not had in the past. And you take a look at a player like AZK, he's definitely been playing much, much better in recent times. 
Overall, though, I mean, there are some weak spots. I will say this, and I don't like putting this on Blast that much, but if I'm being objective, I don't think that they can run three DPS without the burning here. I don't think ID has been good enough when he's been on Farah and Liquid's been trying to force this so incredibly hard when they're better when they run 2-2-2 setups and they put ID in an off-tank. He's a much better off-tank than he is on DPS, and that's not the only issue that the team has. I mean, clearly they've had other issues as well, but it is one of the bigger things that stands out to me right now. They have consistency issues, and they've had consistency issues for a year or so now, and it, it does go down to the DPS for the most part. Now, we talk about AZK playing well lately, but that wasn't the case for several months. We talk about ID having a game or two that are very good. I still think there's a lot of good parts for this roster, and if if you still gave me the option to start a team today, and you said I can pick Mezer and Hang, and I can build around there, I, I'd do it in, in a heartbeat. I still think those two are very talented at their positions. It's just the play around them has always been up and down, and when they're on, they can hang with anyone. They're not getting blown out of games by any means, but... There's something probably has to change. ID was auditioned off of the team. Enigma was brought in to try to take his spot. That didn't work out. But the core pieces of that team is why I still like to root for them because I think Tahang and Mezer are a great core to start a team around. It's like liking Megatron when he was with the Lions and <laughs> yeah. uh, going, wow, I really like this receiver. I see so much potential here. And then he ends his NFL career early because it's just never going to happen. Well, at least Megatron had, you know, record-breaking seasons and you know, led lots of people to fantasy victories. Right now, it's just like, like you said, Hex, there'll be some some tournaments, some matches where they play, you know, one of the top teams really, really close and it gets you hopeful. And then the next, you know, next week, they just lose to somebody that you would think that they could beat, you know, at the just given yeah. how they performed the previous week. It's a lot of that, and um, you know that's kind of why I'm bringing up the question. Flame, what do you think? I mean, I question the Shatter pickup. I, I'm really? a little bit less harsh wow. on the, okay. the hang, on, on the dang on like the id perspective because I I personally think id's fire is very good, and yesterday his widow was actually pretty good on offense as well. But um, well, day to day though. It, yeah, yeah he's day to day, but I mean, yeah. I, I have not seen Shatter put out the same amount of like Genji results that I think he's capable but again it goes back to like their comps and stuff like i think mezzer yesterday somehow got like a four or five k of winston on eichenwald and i was like okay mezzer's like a mezzer's obviously very very good but like with he, he had like a 3k before he popped primal rage and i actually have no idea how it happened because it was off camera but like i would build around mezzer azk and to hang for sure but like rafa's kind of not playing i know for a fact that rafa's a quieter person so I think that that's probably an issue when it comes to like their shot calling. I don't know how good Rafa's like understanding of timings and like all advantages and stuff is for like his shot calling. If he's shot calling, who's shot calling for that team? He is shot. He's shot. Calling. Calling. He's definitely shot. So it's like exactly. So like I don't. I don't feel like. I feel like he dies first too early, like too many times. I think and like Shatter got shut down so hard by the Immortals Annie yesterday. I'm like drawing blank on the name, but there's definitely points where I look at Rafa and I wonder if at Dak from Selfless sometimes because he's just far too far out trying to do whatever whatever it is. I mean, there's definitely a temptation to try and do more DPS there. I try and refrain too much from saying the shot calling stuff because we don't know what's going on. I will say for Rafa is that it is a bit of a frustrating uh, problem because you look at Rafa's overall body of work as an FPS player. When he did well in Quake, he's <laughs> he's the, he, but he wasn't doing well in Quake just because he was some sort of aim god. There are people that are better than him at specific aiming-related things. For him, it's a total package of intelligence, game sense, and the other oh, intangibles fair. that he brought along. So you would think, in theory, that having a guy like that doing your shot calling 
has great potential, but it certainly hasn't been realized. But but shot calling for yourself in the game sense in a single player game versus being able to communicate yes, that effectively are miles apart. And I think everyone thought that all these FPS veterans from other games were going to come over and it's going to translate one to one. I mean, even the TF2 side of things, we've seen some great TF2 players not live up to expectations. Some of them have, of course, like a lot of this uh, LG Evil team has played TF2, but a lot of the old TF2 veterans, the, the translation simply hasn't been there. And I think mostly right now you're seeing is that FPS veterans are still hanging on. Those who are putting in the work to stay in Overwatch will hang on. But th all these new kids coming up who are just treating Overwatch like their job, the scene is flipping over. Well, the key there is putting in work, right? Because yeah. the best example I can give is that of, say, TF2 veterans you want to look at, a very good example is Shadowburn, where he very clearly put in more time pubbing than most of the FPS veterans that picked up the game. Yeah, for sure. Full stop. Yep. And he, the fruits of that were that he was an FPS veteran who also did the, his homework, did all that work, and he was rewarded with, for a time, what many people would have argued to be the best Genji in the game. The problem that you have here with a lot of your veterans that are in the game, and why I think a lot of them have failed to have success, is that whether it be for reasons where they are uncomfortable compared to the games where they were undisputed best, or they just have nitpicks about the game, it doesn't allow them to commit to the game with the same level of passion that they had with previous games. So someone might have been a TF2 god, Clockwork. but that, yeah, I was going to avoid putting Clockwork last <laughs> well, so, I want to I I like, just point out something. Like, There's a lot of TF... There's a, there's a load of TF2 players right now on top teams. You got Mezzer, you got Super, yeah. you got... Harry Hook, Taimu, like sure. Happy but, Cool. There's so many. I think NRG is just like not like they're they're like the outlier of the TF2 skills transferring over. Like well, no, that team is just where you go to oh, get man. worse no. or something right now. I don't know. Oh, what that's like, true for NRG, but there's a very wow. big distinction. The players that are very good in Overwatch that played TF2 were not necessarily super top TF2 players. They weren't legends to the degree that the legends of TF2 have been coming over. True and. I think what plays into that is that when you hit legend status and you're used to that and you go to a new game, you're not as hungry as someone like, say, Taimu that did play TF2 but wasn't a legend in that game. So he was still hungry to taste the top. You have to love That's the fair. game too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So you have to love the game 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So similar to the, for example, what you see right now in LG Evil where they did have a TF2 background, they weren't the people you go to and go, man, these guys were just TF2 gods. So they still had this hunger to reach the top that – your veterans that everyone thought would dominate the game didn't necessarily have where they go in and go, oh, you know, I'll play for four hours Oh, yeah, a day. For, for sure. Like, for Absolutely. super, beating Mangachu is, like, a great... Like, you know, like, he just loves that. Like, forget everything else about Carbon. Like, just beating Mangachu last night probably felt like... Like, that's what super is playing for, you know? Like, he just likes <laughs> beating the TF2 players. Like, that's a thing. Like, that's actually a thing. Really? So, I didn't realize that was, like, an under... Well, I mean, it's like, they all know each other. Everyone from TF2... TF2 was pretty small. Com yeah, like, true. Comparatively, true. in terms of... I just figured, of you know, we, we had transitioned pretty much over to Overwatch at this point. <laughs> that it's oh it's yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah it's just you still have like that old rivalry so that's yeah, a, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing yeah well the other thing too is that when you're running the trouble and clockwork is a good example for this one in particular just because i thought it was hilarious back in the day where you go in and you expect to just dominate on raw fps skill not realizing that other people from other games also had skill as well uh, you think about early matchups there uh, he had a run rough time of it going against cold mat 69 in the beginning but if you're going in thinking that you're amazing... But that was the same team, right? That, exactly. Yeah. All right, well, let me continue, though. If you're going in <laughs> thinking you're amazing and you're judging this new game and going into this new game, the new game has mechanics that allows a player named CoolMat69, which, for as good as Matt is, is one of the dumbest or most glorious names of all time, <laughs> and you're getting bodied by someone with that name, 
are you going to blame yourself and say that, wow, Cool Matt 69 is awesome. I need to get in his level. Or are you going to go, man, this game sucks. You're it's easier from a mind I know perspective where you're from. to blame the game sense. instead yeah. of blaming yourself when Cool Matt 69 just, you know, eight owes you in widow battles. I will say having met Matt though, he does seem like a cool Matt 69. Just his <laughs> yeah. persona. He's a cool Matt. I don't know if his name's gonna fly because there's like a rule for um Oh, is Overwatch League got a rule with no, names? for the China tournament. Oh, okay, the, okay. the like pre-APEC, whatever, the banana culture tournament, there's like a rule that says your name can't be something that can be inferred as like can't be 420. Can't be 69. <laughs> can't be yeah, like I don't think cops can play in the China tournament right now. So like <laughs> that's actually a thing. So we'll see if that transfers to Overwatch League. And if cool Matt has uh, some yeah, the, the thing about there. Cox, I just think about like different <laughs> phrases I use all the time. Like for example, I'll that's say terrible. going in and you talk about Jake. I might use the phrase just to say Jake going in hard. For very obvious reasons, I can't say that phrase with Cox. I don't think well, it would as long as you don't say well. grilled cheese, I think you're, you'll be okay. Is it, is Great girl, <laughs> did I, I, I missed that. I, I got the tail end of that segment, and I was like, oh I don't. So, I, there was a segment where I don't. Oh, you guys shouldn't Google that. Don't like whenever you have to say that. That's when you know you went. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, actually, well, it was something. Kids it was the no, it, was a, it, was a, it was a side. Yeah, it was, was innocent. Yeah, it was innocent. Yeah. yeah, that was all I got. I just came back for that, and I was like, "What just happened?" But all right. Well, uh, before we move well, we, on, what we said was energy results. Don't Google that. Yeah, Don't yeah, 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 yeah. Well, before we move on, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to some of the folks that listen to the the i uh, the uh, the <laughs> overview on iTunes. Uh, if you want to help out the show and you do listen to the podcast either on iTunes or Google Podcasts, you can leave us a five star review, and it really really helps people discover the overview whenever they're searching for Overwatch podcast. I do want to give a shout out to uh, some of the folks that did leave five star reviews and uh, a really nice comment. We had a lot this week, so man, keep them coming, guys. A random nickname, J. Is J. Uh, Yessi? J. I. C. J. I. Uh, Jazz, uh, 181818. Yeah, I don't know why we got just a bunch last week, so we must have we must have uh, encouraged you guys to do it really really well last week. So I'm doing the same this week. <laughs> go go and do that, guys, if you have just a few minutes. Okay, it's moving on. Let's talk about Apex uh, season two, and we haven't gotten a chance to talk too much about even just the end results of Group A. Uh, so we're going to hold off on Group B just because Group B happened this morning. We all didn't get a chance to really go through it. We'll, we'll talk more in depth with it next week. But let's just talk about at least the end of Group A. Uh, we talked about Envy being knocked out, but we didn't really get a chance to talk about um, Runaway, just the success they've had, and then even just the last series, which was Lunatikai and KDU. Uh, overall, mean, what do you guys think Group A, just how it turned out before we actually get into the specifics? I mean, first of all, let's just talk about Runaway here, where Runaway not only is destroying teams, but also destroying property <laughs> in, in the process. So there's <laughs> a lot the of passion on that team. The lights, yes, so, yes. <laughs> I love him, man. He's oh, awesome. Yeah. He went from intense joy to just, <laughs> what did I do? And then he tries to fix it. He's like, I can fix this. I got this. No, I, I agree with you, Jim, man. Like, one of my big takeaways, though, is I like uh, having, like, you know, hashtag passion in esports. But yeah. I was watching it this morning with ZP, and I just turned to him. I go, Runner is my spirit animal. This guy is totally. amazing to watch. He's, like, really fun. He's really hype. I love the pink sweatshirts. If I can get a hook up there somehow, if anyone knows anyone <laughs> to get one of those pink sweatshirts, I will wear the hell out of it. But they were fun to watch. And I think some of that can be missing sometimes from esports, just the fun of it, right? It's games, and they look like they're having a good time. So beyond analysis or how the games turned out, I love Runner. Runner they're, fan for sure. Yeah, he's my new favorite. Game. What was it? 
The cloning Mickey is what you said? Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah man, Mickey's up there too. It's like, it used to be like bubbly Mickey and even, you know, reinforced at times, but Runner has taken over the post-game, my post-game favorite player right now. So hopefully we'll see some more of that. Uh, but yeah, any any other comments? Flame, just run away. Like, what do you guys, what do you think of? I think that they're the most individually talented per yeah. player, yeah. like per position. I think that they have, they have arguably like top, here on every single spot and it's incredible what, the like, one who happened to him early on then because runaway going nothing, into that right series, nothing yeah like, that's what's they crazy got they got new players and now they're just playing better i think you can tell that their teamwork is just there now i think that whoever their shot caller i'm assuming it's runner is just incredibly intelligent like you can tell just by the way that they play the way that they their alts work their compositions are very well defined they have like a very they have like what lunatic high wants to have but doesn't have which is like a really really strong Hit scan and like a really really strong tank on Reinhardt. Like Kaiser outplayed the shit out of Heroes yes. Reinhardt. <laughs> That's true. That's that was true. when Hex and I were watching uh, some of the vods here, and we we're looking at that. We we're just like, okay, Kaiser is playing incredibly well. Haxel, dude. Haxel had like yep. a game, game of his game. life. He like Easily. he two v one Jay Hung and Eska to like multiple times across multiple maps. And like if your Genji is doing all that, it's it's crazy. Well, and I also, I mean, not to. I don't like I don't like flaming anybody, but like Your I, name's I also Flame. felt like I well, Lunatic High, Lunatic High struggled <laughs> that game for sure, and like I felt like Zumba did not give them the best chance to win some fights because I did feel like Lunatic High played well, but their gravitons were so bad in that series actually. Oh really? I Across like feel. three or four of them, and you only get like three or four of them per match, so mm-hmm. I feel like Flame's just like reading my Google Doc right now. I had notes this morning. <laughs> yeah, and no, I was just like, wow. Like, definitely Kaiser was just the better tank overall. The Winstons can be comparable because that's what Miro's known as. But even his Winston, I felt, was better. His Reinhardt is straight up. Well, Stitch, better. dude. Stitch, like, oh, yep, Stitch yeah. took, like, Miro's Winston out of the game. Like, Stitch gave him no breathing room. And Stitch, Stitch's Tracer, like, he's so good. That team is just, like... Stitch and, and Hexall, it's, like, Bumper, arguably the Bumper's best nuts. DPS. Well, here's a curious thing. If people are wondering, well, what about a key contrast to Lutakai? I'd say if there is a contrast here, is that... You look at both teams, there's a very big, consistent level of performance coming out of Runaway, and they still have huge peaks where one player will just have a huge moment in a fight, whereas Lunatic High feels like they can have those very same peaks. I mean, you look at teams like Who Are You, and it's really great, but the same, they also have times where people just drastically underperform. I'm not... I know it actually. I'm gonna say like Eska's I mean, definitely Eska's a good example topic. of a player I mean, yeah. that has ups and downs, <laughs> but it also happens across the entire team where they still have those highs, but they also have the lows, and that absolutely costs you over the course of a series. Well, to Flame's point, though, I think the individual skill for Runaway is enough to overcome team errors because, like, one of my big notes of this entire series were, what are these alts? And that was mostly talking about Lunatic High because <laughs> they they mismanage alts constantly. But Runaway did a couple times too, but even when they did, they had individual performances bring them back. And as we mentioned earlier, like Hoxel on Eichenwald had a huge individual play. And then, you know, Kaiser playing individually well. So even when they made the mistakes, which honestly for watching the Korean tournaments happened way too much in the series alt-wise, it was just a mess. Yeah, it was weird too because it was it was weird because Runaway would make alt mistakes. Like they'd like sound barrier for no reason or something. But then like Lunatic High would like counter with like a equally bad sound barrier. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Lunatic suddenly you're like, well, that was a mistake, but it didn't matter because they got like <laughs> right. rewarded. Okay, well, it, right? first of all, Lunatic High, clearly a big fan of the hold my beer meme as far as that goes. Like, <laughs> hold this. I got this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, yeah. the second thing for Eska is that 
some people are getting too critical saying, why is Monty going in on Eska so much? And I went into that objectively going, well, I heard this. Let, let's see if it's too harsh. And then you see the end of Nambani where <laughs> Eska just, pulls off the world's famous, owns. the reverse ice wall. <laughs> and it's just like, wait a second. The ice wall is to keep them out, not protect you as you retreat away from your point. <laughs> right. and, then, right, right. and then it finally right. ends where you have May fully off the point in a corner by the health pack eating a rocket for breakfast and you know Monty exclaims Eska is doing nothing well yeah. when you're a May Ma- that had that level of set in that particular flight yes you have done nothing in a rather spectacular way like I put out, I, I put out, I remember too because I put out my VOD analysis on Oasis <laughs> and I swear to you on Oasis the first two rounds he must have been zero and seven like on Oasis and I was just saying they're like okay Eska like you need to get a kill like your team needs you to get a kill. And people were like, why is he flaming Eska so much? He's playing fine. He's his job is to protect Jay Hong. But like meanwhile, Jay Hong's just getting killed immediately after mm-hmm. he does. And it's like, I don't know. I'm not I think that they can bounce back for sure. I mean, Eska is very talented. I mean, we're and we're like, talking about comparing Eska to the other DPS players in Apex. And the yeah. you know, like we're talking to Hacksaw and Stitch. I mean, th- that's you know, you have to be at I think at the elite level to be able so to So like at MLG there was that. like this conversation, right, about like how there's no star players or something on Fnatic. Oh. Like I honestly think you could take like any of the DPS players on Runaway and just like instantly throw them onto Fnatic or something. And, like it would oh, like yeah. any player could be like that player. Cause like to ZP's point. Like Lunatic High has Jaehong, who will sometimes just win like a two v one as Anna, and you're like, what is happening? Yeah. Or like Miro's Winston Miro. will go off, mm-hmm. or you have like um, who are used Genji, who like again will have incredible games. But for, honestly, for Runaway, like any of them, literally, like Runner, I think like the Lucio was having multi kill fights <laughs> like by himself. Like <laughs> sometimes I, you feel insane. the need to drop the beat and drop your sound amplifier and some. I mean, I just question, do Korean Anas really need protection? Because for everything <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. You need protection they, from Korean Anas. They kill Genji's like nothing, man. Well, it's that's like, a good point, too, because I do I do specifically remember them get, like, um, who was it? Is it Shine? Who's their Anna on Runaway? On Runaway? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's Shine. I, I am terrible with names in the tournament. Uh, it's I'm Shine. I'm in front it's of Shine. Me, I know Shine. history. I think it's Shine, but Shine, or is it... I think it's Shine, but whatever. It's shine, it's shine. They were he like he would he was getting kills on Jaehong, and you're like, can't heal yourself. You're anti healed, like <laughs> you know. It's like that. Think about it. Like he, they were playing really well. I don't know. They're the team to beat right now. I think in some weird way they might they might struggle. I mean, they obviously only won three to two, and it was like a very very close series. And Lunatic High definitely could have played better. I think like Zumba in particular could have easily turned up his game to what he normally does. So yeah. they could have lost, but they're they're on a hot streak right now, well, and they're feeling really good. It's good you mentioned Zumba because I remember just watching that and noticing that a lot of times when you had LH doing very well, it was Zumba coming in, getting a very good initiation to set up everyone else on his team. And that's where you'd see someone like Eska who maybe has had trouble getting early pickoffs, certainly not having as much trouble getting cleanup once the fight is yeah, in progress. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and like hitting pulse bombs is way easier, obviously, if you're doing it into a graviton. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that, that's something where you should hit, although we have had notable times where people have decided to throw it into a pillar instead. So it's still no guarantee. What? Really? It happens. Okay, yeah. I mean, it happens sometimes. Um, all right, so moving on to Lunatic High and KDU ended up playing the um, 
their second place match. And uh, speaking of great Anna's, I mean, I think Lucid had some crazy plays during that matchup. But unfortunately for KDU, he might have been the only player that was playing super well because Lucid, Lucid had high. homing darts that game. They were they, <laughs> they got three would but he was literally like he must have been like ten yeah. for ten or something on the sleep darts yeah. onto, nano, onto Dragon Blades or whatever. The consistency of sleep darts is actually just scary, and uh, Lucid had a great series when you take a look at what he had there. And it's also worth noting too that when the rest of your team is doing bad and you still have a great performance where you can go, everyone was having a rough day except you, that's actually meaning you're having a phenomenal day above (laughs) and beyond because teammates create opportunities for you. They go back to, say, the Eska example and talk of the idea where he has very good cleanup but has had issues with getting initial kills. If your teammates are getting people lower or putting themselves in good positions, that frees you up to re- reap the rewards there. So if the rest of your team is having a rough day and people still walk away going, wow, you had a really good game, it actually means you had just a yeah, phenomenal game. Day. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. It goes back exactly. to, I, I don't know, like this, that side of the bracket was interesting because when I when the playoffs started, I said number one was Lunatic High, number two was Luxury Watch, and then three was Kung Du Panthera. <laughs> and I had like four is Envy. Like I feel like Envy seriously underperformed in their lower bracket game. Like I feel like they should have been able to deal with um, and see a way easier. Though. Here's the problem with Envy is that Envy does not have the positional flexibility that you need at this point in time, period. Because, well, like, did you watch? Did you I remember like Taimu played defensive tracer on King's Row for some reason in like game five? And I was saying to myself, like, if he's on McCree, maybe this game is completely different. Like, they could have won, I guess, is what I'm yeah. saying. But like, well, I, I was never really that's... impressed with, with Uncio, was more or less where I was going in terms of like, I do remember that. And it's also. It's not, they're not the only team in the scene to do that, by the way. McCree is in this weird where you, for example, we talked a little bit about Mortals earlier, where Mortals has this thing where Grim Reality makes a huge name for himself on McCree, does well in the Winter Premier Finals, and then he's just like, actually, I don't want to play this hero anymore. Well, like, <laughs> Taimu has gone into that trap at times as well, where he decides, I'm just randomly not going to play McCree. It's like, no, this is a hero that you do well, you are a specialist, that you can play in these times and still find a way instead of just throwing it to the seven wins. Yeah, they did try new things though that game. That was an interesting series. I think that they had like Harry Hook on Zarya for a majority of it, and like well, they just time who goes like well, Winston, and when time who's on Winston, I just get so mad. But back, back <laughs> to my original point, I think we all get mad and, when time who's on Winston. Envy doesn't have a great option for strong projectile DPS, right. and that's just unacceptable at this point. You need to be able to play those compositions. You need to be able to go. Actually, we're going to run a world-beating Genji comp. And they don't have that. And I remember back when Tailspin left the team and they picked up Mickey, I remember exact contours back on the oversight when I was talking about Monty Thor. I said, for this meta, this works out really well. But in the long term, I don't know if they can actually find a good projectile DPS player to fill this uh, or can find it from within their team. And I still don't think they're going to be able to find it. I think that... Someone from well, Envy is yeah. almost certainly going it, to be cut to make room for a new projectile DPS. It, player. Like, I don't. I don't disagree with that sentiment. I do think though that like they didn't give themselves the best opportunity to win that series, regardless. Because the Lunatic High match, they got three would but it wasn't like a dumpstering. It was like a pretty close three would that probably could have went two to matches five that were close. If, like, two matches. If you like, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you well, yeah. I mean Hanamura is Hanamura, whatever. They got dumpster on Hanamura. But my point being that like. If you take out the two CP or something like that, could have easily been like a five game series or something if you put the maps in a different order. So it's. I was going to say, well, sure, it could have, but I'm just going to note that if they think about what they could have done with the overall level of teamwork, coordination that Envy has, the things that they're good at, 
if they could flex in good projectile DPS. Yes, yes, yes. It's it a testament be to how good they are that they're able to get as far as they did without having that option. But this yeah, is where they can't go into another major tournament and not have that whole plug. And Overwatch, you want to look at rosters that are not going to be patch dependent, which is why we're always talking about, well, they just grab the best player, not necessarily a tank, not necessarily supporter DPS. He's the best player available for them right now. I think C9 grabbing gods was a good pickup as he's really versatile. But you look at some of the top NA teams, they've got three, four people who can play nearly everything. As LG Evil, uh, above all teams, they play everything. So I think with how quick Overwatch changes, Patches will change the meta nearly every single time. That's been the history of the game. Every time a patch changes, the meta almost completely changes. So you have to be resistant to that. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, I guess, I guess my eyes though, my or I guess my like takeaway or what, what my perspective on it is that like they're not going to switch to like a Farah midway through this tournament when like they have to win. I, I would expect. Yeah. I, I, no, back to the cutting people thing. I would say well, that they, they have time to they get can't. better at yeah. Farah to get better at Genji. So to to you know Envy's um, you know just just giving props for trying and getting creative and trying to figure out a solution given you know just the pieces that they have um but you know it, it is getting to the point overwatch is quickly getting to the point where you have to have the players that can play the optimal meta at any given point and you know what they were trying to do and it could have been pulled off if literally time was just unbelievable for five, you know like three four or five straight games and you know as amazing as Taimu is he can't be amazing like that many times in a row you know like it's just well, it's just not possible to be honest there's a thing in sports here too though is that you don't need the hero play if you're playing consistently good up until that point it is great that Taimu had moments of course but they rely on him though they clip where it's like oh you've just killed a genji point blank to win a fight fantastic you did that that's great but in an ideal world, you're playing things solid enough that you don't need those crazy plays to win successfully. It's one of those things where you look at it, say, sport like basketball, you'd much rather win a game with a 20-point lead than winning because you hit the impossible shot at the buzzer. So, I mean, for Envy, it's sort of yeah. endemic there where you could go, wow, Taimu was heroic here, really brought it through. But what problems do you have in the team where you need time to have that performance multiple times to keep them in it? It's an issue. Well, so I guess, I guess my question now to you is, do you think that they're going to get dumpstered by NA teams? No, no. And I no. think that that's my, or I think that that's my mentality too. And I think that that's why I don't see them needing to change anything. Cause like you mentioned change, like I'm a little defensive yeah, on that point because I'm at the point where it's like, okay, I will start, like they'll say, I will start like, next week. Do they care? But like, they're not they measuring, the, they're not measuring themselves against the NA teams though. But they will be. Are you, happy to, are you happy to have a roster that their Genji and Farah is suspect on? Just overall, take the yeah. name Envious off of it. Are you happy with a roster that can't run a Genji and Farah? I mean, well, no. But my point, <laughs> but like the counter to that though is are you happy with Renegades where you can't run 76 because it's like you're... Well, no. You're no, not no, happy. No, that's, that's, that's not the question. Like it's hard, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, these are, those are parallel logic lines. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. So it's like you have to find... You, but I, I we're don't not think, saying the NA teams are better in this case. We're saying that it, for Renegades, you're right. They're too dependent on running Mangachu there. Yeah. For Envy, like they're too dependent on, on not yes. having projectile. But are, you but want to have a situation... Oh, no, 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 let, let, let him finish first. Go. DP, no, I, was finish, just saying, finish. You, I was just finishing and saying you want to have a situation where you can run everything. Yeah. You don't want to get hemmed into a situation where you're stuck in style because A, if the meta changes that is really against that style, you're done. You're going to be yeah, terrible. Agreed, agreed. Or if just teams figure out a way of dealing with that and going, well, we're going to run something here that normally doesn't work, but it's going to work against this team because they don't have an option for it, then you're also screwed. So you absolutely 
need to have viable options at all major ways of playing Overwatch. You can have specialties, absolutely. Yeah, yeah an option is to pick up another person on your roster. Like Envy yeah. could pick up another player and just have seven. You know, maybe True. that maybe that is the Genji and Farah player. Yeah, agreed. I mean, yeah. My, I, I mean, I'm surprised that teams aren't taking them to Dorado and just playing Symmetra, to be honest, with you, and just spamming <laughs> orbs into their faces, because it should work in my eyes. Wow. But, okay. Yeah. I know, I'm just, I'm just serious, because like, there's, there's here, there's compositions that lose to Farah, and they just don't run Farah. So like, you should try to run some compositions that would be the Farah comp or whatever. Well, yeah. But right now, for example, when you take a look in game plan here, and this is why you do want to be able to run everything. If you're looking at a team like LG Evil, that's been playing exceptionally well on the NA side. They got an Achilles heel right now, which is that they don't do a Farah well. So if you can run a good Farah option against them, you that has to be your immediate go-to here until they prove they can deal with it. And yeah. that's game planning. And now if Envy was going in, Envy could probably brute force LG Evil in their current state, but they would be able to take them out that much easier if they could go, we have a great Farah option. We're going to slam a top-tier Farah down their throat. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, that's how I feel about team compositions, too. Like, the teams that don't run any stuns, and then they try I, to win maps. It's I like, still I still think, to, like, Envy, look, if they're even looking at themselves and how they measure up to NA, that is just the wrong thing to do. Like, they're, you know, they, they need to be... You but know, that's their success point in the future, is my point. It is, but still, they need to be looking even beyond that. Because the, your success point for being, you know, trying to match up against um, Korean teams, it should beat <laughs> the NA teams right now. So I don't. I don't think you should. I think you're short sighting yourself if you do that. Because then you'll I don't be think satisfied. So because I, no, I, I would argue that you don't like if you're if you're playing like if you compare it to sports. Like if you're the best basketball team in China, you don't care how you match up in the NBA. Like it's kind of like that's kind of where I think it would go. But maybe it'll maybe they'll care. But I'm saying like if you're looking at Overwatch League in a vacuum, which in general is probably going to be the future, then they might as well. I mean, are you looking at the dog, though, that is a doggo? <laughs> no, I'm just knocking my door. Hold on. Uh, People are traveling in that blizzard? What? I know. No, the dog's staying inside more uh, more like anything. Well, the dog is staying inside, but someone is at his door. That means oh, that a vehicle has thought, driven to his house. And all. That makes more sense. Neighbor, I it's probably a jerk like me that the moment the weather turns terrible, I just always deliver food and get food delivered. Need shelter. Need shelter from the snow. kind of like a jerk for it, but uh, yeah. that's some real projection there. But um, yeah. well, I was going to go back onto the other point here, but now I'm just going to... Well, I mean, we're, so we're, to we're, kind of sum it up, run, sum it up, you know, Runaway and Lunatic are, are moving on, and a, a lot of people are surprised that Runaway... I was able to take it just because I think a lot of folks thought Runaway was one of the worst teams going into this. At least folks that might have just been watching from the surface. So uh, Runaway, I feel like is is the hottest team, and uh, to be honest, they're like my favorite team right now to watch. So I can't wait to see them in the, the next round after Group B gets figured out. And we never even touched on the idea of how their pink sweaters might be giving them energy. Yeah, could be. <laughs> could be. <laughs> so all right, well. Uh, why don't we move on to some of the news that's been going on since we uh, saved news for the end of this time around. And uh, we're going to well, start uh, off. Tough, tough news story coming in here. Uh, notable streamer Flame lost outside in the snow. <laughs> Breaking news. Oh, uh, this man. is hot off the press, guys. Uh, the views, man. The views right are just amazing. Well, Flame would just evaporate the snow because he's mostly made of salt, right? Well, so like, <laughs> that's the direct counter to snow. That's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. All right, breaking news. All man right. lost and snow finds way back. Oh, he's computer. back. Exactly. People have no manners, man. 
<laughs> Who is that? This lady is like, I need you to move your car so we can plow out the rest of the spots. But like, my car doesn't move, man. <laughs> it's like, what do you expect me to do? There's no I know, around I, my like, car. Oh, oh my God. Like, right. I'll get a shovel. I'll shovel you out. I'm like, okay. Right, well, we're moving on to, to news here. And the first bit of news is that we've got a new sponsorship and a new sponsorship from a very big team, NRG. Uh, Events DC <laughs> will now be sponsoring uh, the, the big team that we all know. And let me show you the, the article here. And it, it was titled as DC sponsoring them. So everybody was like, oh my God, how does the capital like sponsor them? Uh, but in reality, it's the actual events, uh, events DC organization. So that includes, um, you know, just this, uh, this giant arena. I think it's like $65 million arena or something that they're going to be um, building or whatever for, and uh, it's going to, it's going to be specifically for esports, which is like, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, you know, I always thought that, Esports would start off with just existing, you know, stadiums and and uh, you know for for sports and just kind of work from there. But this sound this sounds like a an esports first type of initiative. And well, is is Events DC a private organization or is it state sponsored? Because I want to know if I can complain about my well, tax dollars. <laughs> oh my god, is we're paying tax <laughs> money for this. Sta- oh DC is god. not a well, state. Well, the district, you know what? Yeah, I, mean, I, I do know, but I just have to be that guy. Well, you don't have to be, but I want it to be. <laughs> I mean, it's not sponsored by the actual city, I don't believe. It, it's sponsored. But, but I mean, is events like part of their tourism board? You know, because I've, I've oh. heard inklings of like cities and I don't know municipalities wanting to sponsor teams and stuff. Oh, definitely. Oh, I, We've think seen it's that. A, yeah. I think so. I want to say the money is coming from. It's but it's not, but like the, 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 the article is like it's, very, um, what's the word? Sensationalist? Like it's not an esports stadium it's a wnba basketball stadium that's going to be used oh. as like a washington wizards <laughs> practice facility that's just going to happen to have really well networked stage or whatever or just really good network capabilities to put up uh, computers. That's also that actually just makes me ask questions on more broad level here why do they have an arrangement with the wnba team doesn't use the nba stadium I, would you maybe, know the answer to that question no, no i don't because <laughs> I, I mean maybe i just don't look too much beyond my own backyard but i know that the uh, links up in Minnesota, it's true. Use, it doesn't make sense. Like they use the same arena that the Wolves are using, so it's like it's the same organization. So it's just like they should be using the same it, thing. So you too, view it from know. a like investor standpoint, right? Like okay, you're you're Shaq, and you're like okay, we can put money into the stadium. We'll use the stadium. We'll get really good deals doing esports events at the stadium. We can rent this to big events that want to do esports events, and we can like also partner with. This basketball team who's only going to use it for X amount months of the year. And the Washington Wizards will use it for practice. The WNBA will use it for matches. And then we'll also have this ability to. I mean, if that's the case, then it is the city, right? Oh, my God. Because the city. Oh, my. <laughs> I disappear. Oh, my God. All right. All right. Well, actually, guys, we we got the news ticker coming in here. Uh, apparently, local man as uh, with dog has murdered his neighbor as <laughs> apparently there was shoveling snow going on. We don't really know. We just know that a shovel was the murder weapon. Uh, the flame about to flame his neighbor is basically what's happening. <laughs> but yeah, so this is, I mean, and typically with stadiums, I mean, the city is involved, you know, with, yeah. you know, NBA stadiums. So maybe this actually is directly the city involved. probably built it DC. if it's a traditional yeah. stadium. Yeah, so maybe you're right, Hex. And that's DC might be just part of the, <clears throat> the group. So that also, no, the only reason I ask is so 
say in chat, like, my tax dollars went to this whenever energy plays poorly or something like <laughs> Well, that. D- D- <laughs> DC is used to getting taxation without proper representation. So this is just oh. more par for the course, okay? Oh, yeah. a but, congressman or something? Oh, I guess the question, in ter- talking about Overwatch in particular, the question is, all right, is this the Washington, you know, DC NRG team for Overwatch League? Are they going to have to move there, Seagull and, and crew? All it signs seems were pointing yes. Yeah. yeah, right. We don't know, okay. of course. We don't know anything. We're in the dark as I mean, much as everyone else. We're starting to see news. And we're starting to see teens migrating to different cities right now. Yeah. Um, so here's the main thing for me about this is that it's a very good trend for esports that you have finally teams going in and identifying with regional entities. And this is just another part to that trend. And it's excellent. And I'll use my own father for example. My father is a diehard Boston sports fan. Anything Boston sports he's interested in. I cannot get him in his current forum to really take a look at esports, but if something like Overwatch League comes out and there's a team based in Boston, yeah, I can get him to have a cursory interest in that because his loyalties are to his region first and he yep. gets sports teams off of that, then vice versa. So the fact that we're getting into that means that you're inherently expanding the base that esports can reach. And that's a very good thing. So all NRG jokes aside that you can make and or DC jokes because both just lend themselves to many just fun commentary that we can waste a lot of time on. This is good for esports. Full stop. Always, right. I think a lot of people outside of, uh, you know, esports or even inside of esports underestimate the traditional aspect of sports and regionalism. Just how oh, absolutely. deep that goes. Because I, I know both ZP and I were big fans of sports and then still even going towards esports, we still root <laughs> for the teams we rooted for because of the region they were in yep. or growing up. And then once you have those teams established... I think the goal ultimately is to move esports away from having player identifications because even in the NFL, you root for the helmet. It doesn't matter who's wearing that helmet, but you root right. for that team specifically. And so that would help with some of the issues with roster volatility or whatever. <laughs> when a player leaves, maybe you follow that player, but you're still following that organization. And a lot of that comes but with the regional ties and things like the that. Reason, it also the, creates regional rivalries. The reason that you you're you know, just loyal to the helmet is because they don't allow them to take off the helmet sex. So <laughs> you know, that's one of the reasons. No, but to your well, point, yeah. You really have to focus on the helmet because now that we're getting to the era where now you can have sponsorships on jerseys that they're testing yeah, out. Yeah. If you don't focus on the helmet, you're going to be focusing on McDonald's or God forbid Arby's, but hey, beat out oh, at ten dollars. Let's go. Oh, it also my gosh, please not. It creates rivalries without those teams even playing against each other because the moment Washington has to play a Philadelphia team, already people are going to be like, we don't like them. We don't yeah. like the, these we these regions don't like each other. If uh, Chicago has to play Cleveland, similar, or St. Louis, you know, and those regional rivalries are already built in. You're already tapping into an established passion uh, with people if you start putting teams in cities like that. I will say, though, that given their current performance and their propensity to disappoint fans uh, in Overwatch here thus far, I will say that uh, Washington DC is an interesting city for NRG, but they definitely would have had a better thematic fit in Overwatch if they were with Cleveland. Uh, I had to get that. Out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> interesting. Uh, no, but so we have NRG in DC. We've got Ren- Renegades in Detroit. We've got Rogue Miami now in Vegas. Misfits. Miami Misfits. Uh, Miami Misfits, which is going to be <laughs> like close to here. And then who's got LA right now? Oh no! Then we, then we got Raleigh or, or just uh, North Carolina. We got Envy, right? And yeah, it'd be, it'd be like Charlotte Envy, you'd think. Yeah, like that. and then oh, maybe MJ gets on that. Be or maybe oh, they just go Carolina, like the Panthers, where they just combine both states and call <laughs> it. I hate it when they do that, man. <laughs> so uh, the LA thing is interesting because there's plenty That's of the most... 
there, there's plenty that's the of most valuable that one though. Play. That's the that's the most valuable right. one, right? Like the well, that's why I'm saying there's there's plenty of organizations I'd love to claim. If you get mm-hmm. into the idea of franchising and all the rest, presumably you're going to need to write a bigger check to get right. the LA region. Well, Boston so. Splice, uh, LA being the most valuable is also going to be the most expensive too. So organizations well, yes. have to balance those types of things. I, I want to know who's coming to Chicago. It's my city. And I, I no say, word yet. I will say this, that if it is Boston Splice for Arch League in their current incarnation, that at the very least, my dad would be trained to root for Boston Splice because all his years of rooting for the Boston Red Sox losing pre-2004 <laughs> would prepare him for being a Boston Splice fan. Oh so God. That, that would be a thing. Going hard, man. <laughs> exactly. One of those things. Yeah, that's exciting. This is, you know, again, I feel like it, it's leading up to, you know, what we're about to see with uh, the Overwatch League. And, and so, I, I just can't wait until I can just bring my son to, you know, an actual event, you know, like a local yeah. event in Miami and Misfits against whoever. And uh, it becomes a regular thing, and we can have actually stands packed. I mean, it's going to be some empty stadiums for a while, I think, yeah, until as, as it gets going. Who, as someone who just went to my first esports event in the last year, there is something indescribable about it. Even even beyond a sports event, there's something about everyone in the same room loves the same thing, which is still kind of a, a niche thing, and it's just this energy there that's incredible. Uh, and uh, let, let's just talk play, about other breaking news here. Flame <laughs> the police <laughs> after his recent there's murder like with a the shovel. Mo- no, there's literally like a mob of like, four, like because I live in a townhouse community, right? So like, there's like literally like 30 people outside all shoveling at the same time and like orchestrating a really big car thing so that like they can plow all the parking spots. But my, I don't like driving my car in the snow, so I just like had a miniature yeah, flame, flame. I'm just glad that you're <laughs> not a, out there the only helping right now because so right now. You're not very, so flame. You're not in very good physical condition right now. It's not like you hit the gym and would be way more efficient at shoveling snow than at least. Well, I pay, I pay an HOA fee for them to do it, right? Like, that's <laughs> that's okay, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's fair. At that point, uh, you are fully justified. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess flame, you kind of missed most of that. But any last thoughts on the DC and uh, energy thing? Well, so I don't know how bad the turnout will be, I guess. It depends on when they time it. I think that DC, I mean, I just read, I just looked up an article. And it's not a very positive article. It's a, It's like, the, I just Googled like DC WNBA arena. And like mm-hmm. the article title is DC to spend tens of millions on WNBA arena in city's poorest neighborhood. So like that doesn't sound like a good spot for an eSports event, in my opinion. But I don't but, know. But it's, we're building up. We're building well, up. Well, I mean, I like that. I would rather them... I guess it's like, like SimCity when you throw eyes, down a stadium put, like in that section that has like you know very the lower housing and then it builds these hotels right. Well, no one wants to live <laughs> by a stadium, so inherently exactly. they end up being like uh, low valued. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ironically, we are right now living by a stadium. Yeah. Just, just, mile just high is about a mile that way. Yeah, but a mile, so, but it's a mile, 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 mile yeah. It's not mile anymore. But like, no, you always build the the stadiums on the outskirts of a city, and that's generally where the poorer neighborhoods are going to be anyway. And the, the heart of the city is where all the high rises are. Well, yeah, I mean, my point being that like I'd rather them put them in like college areas because you could easily fill a stadium with college kids. I think that's so true. Really good so point. I think like yeah, Boston, whoever gets Boston, per, I guess Splice <laughs> is looking like a Boston city right now. Like that's going to be a very good spot, I think, for esports. I think like anywhere like that has a lot of college activity will be that's a good point easy well just in general too boston is a very good sports town period you have hardcore man i mean certainly they've had more success to where most regions of the country now hate them but even back when boston was more lovable losers uh as far as team performance goes the balls weren't deflated yeah, when the balls weren't deflated, uh, before Tom Brady's beautiful visage uh, descended upon Foxborough like uh, some poppy. sort of divine <laughs> intervention. Uh, right, before all of that, Boston still has just 
it's an incredible fan base. And I say this yeah. just because uh, I've lived with my dad, of course. Uh, he was my dad. He, just knowing what he you knows about your... Boston sports. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, it, either way. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure I've gotten this derailed here. Probably because people <laughs> keep interjecting. Uh, anyways, uh, but Boston is a phenomenal sports town. It really is. It's it great. Is. Uh, you have an amazing fan base there. And I think for esports, they'll also take root as well for whatever team might be you, you can tap into people's existing fan bases, even with sports they don't like, just by plopping a team in that city. And you see it with minor league hockey all over the place, even uh, MLS teams, people who don't like soccer, doesn't matter that the, the city name is what they're going to see. So you can get success just by tapping into the passion of pre-existing sports fans, if you can sell it more as a sport than what's currently happening. And the last point about it, too, is I think it's really important that at least one of the destinations... I mean, uh, this is might be on the low end, but at least one of the destinations will be a crazy success. You know, just so, you know, there is some kind of model to look at or there is some kind of momentum. Yeah. Like the last thing we want is just like across the board, there's just okay attendance. You know, we want one city just to be like, you know, I don't know, fill the stadium maybe halfway or, you know, something pretty I think finals impressive. will always be big. It's a, it's a question of like when they start doing that, like, home and away thing that they had planned and uh, maybe in 2018 we can get there but (laughs) yeah i think that's a while as far as as far as overwatch league having like ti size finals i think it's completely possible okay um all right well why don't we move on we've got a a tournament that's been announced to this week uh the overwatch pit championship and there's some eu love here too as well as uh na region too so we've got open qualifiers (laughs) as well as invited uh teams to this tournament fifteen thousand dollar prize pool and here I'm going to give you a, a list of at least some of the um, the invited teams here. And a lot of these NA teams are playing in Carbon Series right now. So there might be a bit of overlap, I guess, when this is happening. Uh, maybe the open qualifiers you know, will happen first. And then by the time that's done, maybe Carbon Series will be wrapping up. Uh, but you know, definitely some of your favorites there. And then we got the EU region, which, gosh, man, it's about... I mean, they've been dying for anything you know, where they can actually get a chance to play matches and yeah. showcase themselves. So... Uh, is very very much well uh, welcomed. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, the pitch. It, this is announced by the One Game Agency. You guys, the One Game much? Agency. I, I guess they 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 have the pit series. Pit. Yeah. Now they're watch pit pit all in capitals. That's a branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a very good tournament. It will clearly fill a lot of the gaps that you have between Carbon into April, and then who knows what comes in after that. But this is going to be a good benchmark for a lot of teams. There's also open qualifiers, so you'll get to see perhaps a few surprises come out of that. And it's going to be a proving grounds because clearly if the teams are involved here, not every team is going to live up to their billing. Some teams that are established are going to perhaps go down in flames and not really live up to their uh, reputation. So this is going to be a good temperature check on where the Western scene is overall what teams are doing really well, what teams are perhaps not no longer worth their sponsorships. We'll get a mix of everything. The only Western team I really want to see play is NRG because I watch so much Western Overwatch that I'm pretty caught up on everything. But one, I love open brackets. I think that's awesome. We haven't done those since like Gosu Gamers Weeklies. And I think mm-hmm. teams are really dying for chances to make names and come up in the scene, which in the open bracket is perfect for that. And I'm just, I want to see more Europe. I try to watch every European tournament that's on, even though the hours aren't there, but those guys need a tournament very badly it's been too long for him is nip still up there you got chaps you just got sponsored by hammers esports so those are the things i'm looking forward to most i mean i watched so much na overwatch that i could predict it in my sleep but i think energy and na <coughs> and 
times watching the the open brackets are I, I hope those are broadcast to be honest i would love yep. to watch some open open tournament stuff Blame? how about you um uh, open brackets a little uh it's good but it's also very high intensity matches i guess because it's it's best of, it's single limb and i heard fanatic's going to be in the na bracket that's that's rumors i'm not, i'm not like consoled oh. on that or if okay. that, i don't know if that's true but you have teams like selfless and fanatic right now who i would assume like you would expect to be like the one two punch of that bracket um but depending on how they get sided or placed or whatever like that could wind well, up they could meet each other early or something and they were like, invited <laughs> like yeah, if they're gonna I'm be playing like, right what, what? you how what? do you not kick the tires on Fnatic there? That well, it has something strange. to do with I think like the Korea, right? Like I think that these invites went out while they were still doing Apex. So oh, they didn't like, know. There was they probably a lot of tentative okay. yeses right. and stuff. So it makes sense in that regard. But I think that the open bracket is going to be like a dogfight. Well, it's yeah. worth noting here, though, as far as the teams goes, that Envy, of course, is now out of Apex, and they could theoretically play in this, but it does look like they are taking this tournament off. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Be good. It'd be good for them to, to take one off. I just kind of get the batteries charged, get some practice in because they've been over there for so long now. Oh, selfless is in the open bracket though. They, I feel so bad for the teams who won't be able to leave their spawn. I feel so bad. For oh. <laughs> but you don't feel bad for complexity who it happens to. No, too, complexity can collects paychecks and their names are on their shirts. I don't feel bad for guys who it's well, tempo, tempo's, tempo's on this list though, apparently, which is interesting. What list are you looking at? You're looking on at the, the list of um, signups or invites. Um, no like, signups. Yeah, they can't. Someone be linked it in chat. Oh, did they? Okay. Well, yeah. I think so. I mean, it's a good chance for the tempo team, of course. Toronto Esports, Kurosaki Daichi High. Good teams. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making stuff up, but no, I mean, not, not that yeah, one. Not, not, not that one sure in particular. But yeah, this is, like, I don't know if they are. I don't actually know that team, but. No, I'm excited. I'm just, I'm excited to see, you know, we talked about LG Evil. I, I want to see LG Evil play against Rogue again. And <laughs> Do we know how many teams come out of qualifier? It's two. It's only two. Wow, yeah, two, okay, two so qualifiers, we... 10 direct invites, and then two qualifiers into two All right, groups. So if yeah. a team comes out of there that we haven't heard of that didn't make out of qualifiers and already what tempo fanatic and selfless and qualifiers right someone's yeah. already going home early like probably tempo at this point because we haven't seen them play but that's crazy you never know it's a single limb situation and yeah you know anything can happen in a single limb uh, well it's single limb too and i doubt it's any more than best out of three so you don't yeah. have a whole lot of margin for error there all it takes is one good, good. for one good full hold that yeah. comes out of nowhere that really just shatter your dreams. Yeah. And so, so it'll be good. The, uh, the open qualifiers start tomorrow, I believe like it's, um, let me see. I, I forget if it's EU and, first or if it, and I don't think the open qualifiers are broadcasted. No, I, I think, so. well, I, I think they're doing a weird thing where they're doing the first part of it up to a point and then they're broadcasting the qualifiers after the, open so as it gets closer. Yeah. After yeah, it gets yeah. closer. Right. That, We'll see who maybe keep up keep up with it by I don't know maybe following them on Twitter or coming to the site. It's it's OverwatchPit.com and you can kind of see if your favorite teams are getting through the qualifiers. But CLG exciting. Play too. Right. No. CLG's oh, CLG. Okay. Yeah. Cool. CLG's been an interesting case uh, <laughs> as far as how the. <laughs> I'll just say I think they've done some promotional tactics that 
haven't made sense with this team. I'm curious to see how this actual team plays, but they're definitely hitting the PR hard from the well, announcement to some of the posts you well, see. But like, you got to win, man. Maybe hit, maybe hit the tournament. <laughs> yeah, a try, maybe try winning. <laughs> you know, it's like okay. I mean, um, there haven't been that many things for them to come out and win. I mean, I, I don't even think I need to double check. They did play in, I think, a, one of the rival key tournaments and got second, which is all right. But yeah. before that, it's sort of they do the announcement MLG Vegas. And frankly, no, if they were trying to pump up the crowd that was there, the crowd had no idea who the players were. Right. So you just had dead silence. Could have heard a pin drop <laughs> when they announced yeah. the CLG roster. That announcement was esports, and, even by esports standards. That was. And, and then you have the entire thing where they do the PR video of like, Here's the members of CLG doing, uh, I think it was a... Uh, would you rather? Yeah, would, would you, you rather? Would you rather? Yeah. And I'm just saying, mustaches, it's, it was absurd. Well, I'm looking <laughs> at that. It's funny, it would be, come on. It would be fine if it was Envy doing that because you know all the players. You have history behind time. You have a history behind the internet. True. These are all people that you know. But you can't do a personality video like that when the players haven't been right. visible and haven't been in tournaments because you're just like, who are these people? Yeah, I watched Envy play Jenga and was thoroughly. Talking about the Splice hot tub? No, no, no. Yeah, forget it. Uh, no, no, wow. Let's talk about hot tubs. <laughs> I don't think any of us know about that. All right. Well, anyways, let's let's move on. Uh, we don't we don't have any Q and A today, but we do we do have a Jeff Kaplan AMA to talk about. Uh, but if you guys do want to send in questions next week, go ahead and email those to the overview <laughs> at the overview at chamanv.tv, and uh, we'll read them out next week. But Jeff Kaplan did an MMA a few days ago, and a, f- a few interesting points that came out from it. I, I figured it was worth uh, talking about. PTR came up. And, um, you know, he basically confirmed that a lot of the data that comes from TTR, or at least just PTR, the way it's set up, isn't a very good environment for getting a lot of data. So I think the the little data that they do get is watching pro players scrim, you know, or just play on the PTR, uh, but, you know, in custom games or whatnot. But uh, just the general data is just not useful. And nothing surprising there, right? I think we all, all, all knew that. If they want general data from the PTR and want more people to play, they need to incentivize it somehow. Yeah, There's that's what we've been saying. I'm against, I'm against the concept of PTR entirely. Why? Why? There needs to be a sandbox oh, test. Unless, right? Wait, no, no, no. Unless it's like a huge, crazy new hero patch. I honest, I personally, this is personal, you don't have to like agree with it, but like I personally think that they should be confident enough in what they're doing that they don't need us to say Bastion 70% damage reduction is crazy like i, I understand okay, I why they need it but i don't think that they should need it but they do obviously. Well, but you do exactly, exactly. but here's the thing is that you could say you could think that game desires aren't high but i would actually, in regards to that you they're dealing with a specific testing base in regards to what's in qa there are some very very good players within blizzard by the way but there's times where you want more data to see how the shit goes you could have gut feelings that maybe it is overtuned but even if you have that gut feeling as a designer, you want to see that played out because you might think that you know exactly that it's going to be too much, but then you throw it on so wild and it's not. So, Data so is key. So Data. there's ways around that though, right? There's like, like this isn't a new problem for game designers. Like I know, I know how Dota works. Like Dota pays players to play. Like they have like an internal team of like really high level players, not like pros, but like, I guess your average GM or 5K player will like just go in and say, hey, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. Like, here's what this is. Like, stuff like that is way better, I think. 
Right. Then the well, concept I mean, of getting it to the world. But when the you, thing when, is, why not? If you have the ability to do all options, why not go there? Like what you're saying yeah. here in terms of having, say, a high MMR test group, maybe that's a good option you could do. Maybe they can have that in there. But they also, I think the reason why offhand, why they wouldn't immediately feel the need for that is that they do have very high MMR players within Blizzard themselves that, that they have as part of that early test group. No, they're not in the pro scene immediately, but they could get info from that. But they are looking for that more broad spectrum data to see if there's potential things that are coming up where maybe it would affect pro play right away, but people have found other issues with it. Nope. I think I, I think what I'm getting at here is that no matter how you think it's going, the your change might work out, more data is crucial in evaluating it. So even though you think that, oh, they should know better or they could do this to narrow it down beforehand, maybe. I don't disagree with what you're saying. Like, I, I actually don't. Like, my, point, my, my point was more or less like, so like I came from Dota, right? If something's broken in Dota, they just like patch it the next day. Like, this is like the, the lead designer is just like, this is actually crazy. And he just nerfs it like literally that night. And I don't, I like really have trouble getting behind the whole like, console verification process thing when like overwatch league is coming soon it's like completely pc centric so like well i I mean maybe maybe i'm being maybe i'm being crazy but like in my eyes i think that that's completely valid as like a way to do it like just okay give us broken bastion for like a couple weeks or like not even a couple weeks like a day and then someone will be like this is actually insane because i watched a match between renegades and lg evil and this bastion just got a 7k through two rocket barrages a nano blossom and a genji sword and then, like, suddenly you just change it the next day, you know? Like, I, I don't see why that's not doable. So they're in this they're in this terrible middle ground where there is a dictator, like Flame would prefer, where someone's just making these changes. And then they're kind of listening to or not. But I, to, to ZP's point, I think the more data you have, the better, because it removes some biases of it. As someone who has watched Pro Talk in the Discord and how everyone <laughs> would change certain heroes in there, good thing we're not listening to a select 30 people who all have the exact same opinion about certain heroes. It's good to have the diversity of opinions. And if you remember, this game is balanced for 25 million something users as well. So even if it affects the experience at one level, as long as it's not affecting 90%. But to, I think if you incentivize more people to play on PTR, give away a loot box, let experience carry over, the small things, that data would be so much more valuable because you would have the data. I don't think gold players are playing the PTR. I don't think they find it interesting or compelling, and I don't think they care how the next patch is coming up, but that might be useful information at some level. This is important to people that are listening here, but uh, yeah, as far as the overlay goes, uh, it's a little bit reverse. It has oh, yeah. ZP close to the hex and oh. hex closer <laughs> To yes, yes. I'm ZP. That's yes, hex. Just, yes. Just so you guys I know. actually didn't even notice that until you guys mentioned that. Yes, that's true. It's I've always wanted right to be ZP, so I'm living the dream. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, but no. To so flame. I mean, the the thing is, is that yeah. I, I mean, I think being on this podcast talking about competitive Overwatch, I think we we get a little bit skewed that. Um, there is a pretty big console community too, and and I'm, not, I'm is, not like shitting on the. Console I know you aren't, community. but the, but I'm the thing like, but, but, but you know, I think Blizzard wants to have at least the, the design or at least the the balance of the heroes be pretty close on both at any given point. Because of that, you know, I think the PTR is the proper way to do that, um, because. You know, they, you have to go through an approval process. I don't know how long it is. It could be one to two weeks, right? When, you, when you're talking but that's, about... But that's, that's like a core problem, I think. Like, that's a fundamental, huge problem when it comes to, like, accurately balancing the game. 
Because I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at balances going forward because I was ready to give up on the PTR after the Bastion stuff came through untouched. I was really <laughs> bothered was by it. But that no, beyond really that, crazy. I was bothered by the very obvious bugs were still in the game that had been called out in the PTR. And then I was at the point of like, why do we have this? If it's not for bug fixing, if it's not for play testing, if it's not for balance feedback, then what's the point? But then it did seem like they were listening to it. So I'm gonna give it one more patch. I always or, you know, caution patience in most things. We'll see how they use the PTR coming up because I think the modus operandi of how they're using it has changed. I agree in some weird way. Just only, I only disagree because there's been three patches so far since the season started. It's only been like two weeks. Yeah. Like it's very, it's over the top. I think like, I mean, I'm just being real. Like I think it's too, like when, how do you, I, I don't know. Like when PTR testing involves Zenyatta putting Discord through shields, like in my yeah. eyes, that's like crazy. Like someone should have just been like, this is actually crazy. And like that's just another PTR iteration. Maybe that lasts a week. So it's like very, it's just like hard to get behind in my eyes. Even as someone who, like, I don't even play scrims anymore. So like I've been playing a lot of PTR actually, but mm. some of it's like you get the feeling of like, okay, this is insane. Like, how do you. Like, I mean, but that's kind of like. I, why do I need? Like, I could have told you this immediately. Like, no, but that's that, well, like, getting I, I, back I to think... the data. Getting back to the data point again. I mean, it's like it's a sandbox. It's supposed to be a sandbox to a certain extent. Unfortunately, like PTR, I think generally, if you're looking at other games, it's supposed to be just trying things out, seeing how it goes. Unfortunately, with Overwatch, you know, the we know that this is more of a staging area for the consoles, right? You know, just the, that approval process. If we didn't know that, we would still be thinking of PTR as just this testing grounds and trying things out like Discord through Shield. I think it's fine in a, in a testing sandbox type of environment. So there's just a but weird. Then why, but then, how thing are you incentivizing me to play it as a pro player? Yeah, yeah. There's no incentivization. Scrim and yes. doesn't know when the next patch is coming out or that, what. That needs like, to be changed. Yes, yeah, I agree with so, that. You need to get more people because the data is just not even good right now. So you, you actually, there is a, there's a critical mass that you need to get to actually be able to have useful data. You could add another one that would just be the, the sandbox area of we're messing around. These are changes that we have. And then pre-patch a week out, you say, this is the patch that's going to hit if pros need to practice on it. This is the practice realm. This is coming through regardless after the data here. So it'd be like three-step process. I don't know if that would work either, but it's some, it solves some of the issues at least. I will say as far as it goes, I think the idea of a PTR is very positive. Even And here's the thing, too, is that even in cases where perhaps you don't get changes to begin with, I will note people are going, why did they do the PTR and then they didn't listen to feedback that go forth? I think some of that is also just not being clear on goals there, where the PTR is literally just, we're looking for stuff that is going to break the game in half. Is it not balance-wise, but actually like you start up the game and your C drive gets deleted type of stuff. So that was probably the goal of the last test that did have those balance changes in there as well as a sneak preview but i don't think it was communicated super well that was the goal there i think what has been learned from the feedback that's come out there is that people do want to have a say before it goes live and it's not just let's make sure nothing is crazy broken actually uh people want to give their feedback on some of these things a little bit more in depth well, so this... I, I did that's something important to note though because i think people looked at that yeah. and went you've ignored everything without realizing <laughs> right. that the goal there wasn't necessarily to get that level of feedback immediately. And we, so we, my, we've, I guess we've my... had PTR just like we've had PTRs where you know like we had that giant PTR change back in September or something right where they they tried all kinds of different crazy things and they even led you know they let us know that hey guys we're going to do some wacky things during this PTR session it's going to be longer and I think that you know that's kind of fine you know whenever they they're able to 
to message that to us and then we we understand but they haven't done that in a while like we we have well, no idea. last time they yeah. said these are crazy and then they put them in the next week but my biggest problem <laughs> i think with this patch recently was that the spawn changes were actually probably the biggest patch note i mean balance is whatever you want to change zenyatta's left click sure. damage or like anna's need range like something that you can do in the ptr custom games i think is whatever but like the spawn change is huge and i would have rather play tested that for like weeks before yeah. they added that because i'm still not even convinced that i did anything nor am i even really like actually able to test as a spectator how it works because there's no death timers on the cam so it's like i don't know how that works if it works like i still watched a three minute overtime like single fight on mm-hmm. anubis last night Right, they're like bugged out, but it was three minutes. That was fight. one of the weirdest oh, things I've yeah. seen. That. It was the point where, as a caster, I was like, "Wait, I'm pretty sure this is point B, and it should have capped." But what if there's a case where we just were paying attention? It was like point A finishes. Like those things. Where I'm second guessing <laughs> my life. Don't look at that. Going, that I know what sense. I just saw, but yeah. do I really know? Because I'm in the twilight zone now in regards to what's going on. And yeah. as it turns out, I'm further review that. It actually did just cap and didn't count. The word is it's a visual bug. Uh, we don't know. We yeah. sent it to Blizzard. It did look like a visual bug. I don't know if they actually <laughs> look- capped after watching it back, but yeah. my point being that, like, actually, that fight went on for three minutes. No. Yeah. The count, it actually is a visual bug because the same thing happens on Payload. We just don't call it out. There's plenty of times on Payload where it yeah, won't yeah, be capped, yeah. but the zero, indicator zero. will go away. So yeah. you got the equivalent of that on Assault, but it's much more heartbreaking on assault because when you getting cap is so much more important there relative towards so much harder to get it. I'll just say, I'll say I agree with you. I agree with you flame that when you're making sweeping changes to a game mode, which is a huger aspect of the game than the balance that those things should probably be tested or at the very least give us some data on it as well, because having watched these games, it feels a little bit different, a little bit easier for offense to close out, but not anywhere near as substantial as I thought. So, so my question too, and this is like further on, we can, I mean, we can go to the next point of this thing if you're going, but like there was a post about Eichenwald. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to move on here. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's a hard to get a 50 50 win rate. 50 50 so, win yeah. rate. What does that mean? What does 50 50 win rate mean? So, like, does he, do, do they expect or do they want defense to win 50% of the time against offense? Because I think that's awful. I mean, personally, I think that's awful. I think the game should be based around speed, like it's been. I assume that's what they mean. should go to that second I, round. I think there is a, from inferring from what we've seen here and inferring from how things, they have this idea that defense should be relatively even. And I don't know if that necessarily has to be the case. I think that you run a risk there, right? Because you take a look at just forget even esports for a moment, just look at traditional sports, offense and things movement or, or movement occurring is generally more impressive to people, more entertaining than defensive duels where you're waiting back and forth. You take a look at the NFL, you could very much make the argument that you had more entertainment when quarterback rules were lessened or uh, sorry, uh, defensive rules were increased and suddenly quarterbacks were able to throw more. In baseball, one of its most successful eras when was when people were using steroids <laughs> and getting crazy <laughs> offensive numbers, which True. that has yep. its own problems, yep. but offense was very exciting. It will always take be the difference in every sport. And the NBA too, to the, they did the same to, to the NBA. Yeah. What caters to the casual and what caters to the hardcore fan is almost always offense, offense, flashy, casual people are excited and involved because bright colors and fireworks. Mm-hmm. And then the but, old pros like, oh, oh man, I'll take a six to three defensive battle any day, you know? Well, right. but, so, but I mean, one thing about sports though, one thing about those traditional sports is that it's not presented in a way that... You know, it's just about, you know, offense, offense is supposed to win, you know, and it's just about you just being, you just, you know, having them take longer, you know, just like trying to impede, <coughs> impede them as much as you can. 
where uh, you know in Overwatch it's like you know. Well, so okay. Well, I mean, this goes I back guess. to I mean, obviously Hex knows. Like this comes back to TF2. Like in in concept conceptually in TF2, this goes back to the spawn thing. Like defense always had higher spawns times than offense because offense was like maps were designed for offense to win. Right. And when you see map stats like, oh, we want defense. Like I don't like watching defensive holds. I don't like watching best of ones on Dorado where one team actually just can't cap second. And like that's a very common thing. Like I don't know how I don't know if it's just been carbon or carbon plus another tournament. But it's been a very long time where teams are just actually struggling so hard on second point Dorado, and you can make yeah. changes to spawn timers that will like fix that issue, and I agree like make offense well, it, win more. But like nobody a, wants to watch the two the two minute second round where the defense the, the team that was on defense first just plows through the second point in two seconds. Like I think that that's like the least enjoyable spectator experience. My view is, and it's uh, stylistic, of course, but here's the interesting thing: is that when you tilt things a little bit more towards the offense, you get more movement. Which is exciting, but you yeah. also raise the value of the defensive hold when it does happen. Yeah, exactly. If the defense is 50 50 and you get a defensive hold, it's just whatever. It happens all the time. If you're tilted more to the idea that 70 30 between two evenly matched teams and the defense plays out of their mind and shuts it down, that's incredibly exciting. So I agree. So for that, that's the problem is that defense is more exciting the less frequently it happens, whereas offense is generally keeps things flowing. So I think you can make a strong stylistic argument and this is what it is. I mean, you can, it, yeah. it is a game design argument one way or another, but I do think you can make an argument that tilting somewhat towards offense would be 60, 40, 70, 30 could be potentially a very good idea. One of the things that they're looking at just to be specific is that Jeff mentioned that they're, they're taking a look at changing the first choke point, which has always been a pretty tough spot especially in lower levels i think for for folks to get through you know whether whether people throw bash in at or just just some kind of craziness right at the higher levels it's a little bit different but um you know at the the lower skill levels i think that choke has been a, a pretty difficult thing to get through uh depending on good your, your teammates are uh another thing that they meant he mentioned was really you know it's like pick rates and so the first thing he mentioned was winston is the least picked character in the game, which eh, was surprising or not. I mean, I don't, I'm not super surprised. Uh, but then he also mentioned Lucia, which has been something a lot of folks, you know, in the pro community have been complaining about recently, or just a lot of Lucio players saying they're just tired of playing Lucio, you know, because yeah. it's such an auto pick. Uh, and he alluded basically that the perception of the pick rate is not as high as you based on the stats at all levels. Well, that's the problem, right? That's another fundamental problem. And this is like me going off on another like rant, right? But like, well, like, at least it comes with a disclaimer. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, I mean, I'm not like again, like I'm not trying to like re on anyone's parade, but if you if you buffed Lucio, like or nerfed, if you nerfed Lucio, like the players at the lower brackets wouldn't even like, like it wouldn't affect win rates in that bracket. Like yeah. you could you could make Farah super super better for like I don't know the GM players. It wouldn't really impact like. I agree. I agree. With like, that. There, there's like a yeah. there's like a cap, and I say this to my subs all the time because I ask like, how do I climb out of gold? How do I climb out of diamond? And like, if you're in gold and you play Farah or something, like you can do really really well because mm -hmm. the odds are that the hit scan in gold isn't that good. So if you're just flying in the air and hitting your rockets, like, or just spamming even, like, you'll do well. And then like when you hit that peak where the 76 starts killing you or the McCree starts killing you, like then maybe you should start switching to Zarya, get really good at Zarya, and get yourself to Masters or something. Like, there's a different meta and a different peak of what each hero can do at each level like an Anna in gold is never going to be good right because you have to rely on your teammates to do well with the nano boost and all the heals that you're like giving out but if you're in grandmasters and you're a really good Anna then you can like make your good tank player like even better or your DPS player even better 
So like, I don't even know why pick rates matter. You, you have to pick one to balance around instead of trying to like mesh them all into one bucket because it's just never yeah. gonna like it doesn't work well, like I, that. I, well, I, they're, I, they're I, looking I, at changing. I can, this year, right? I can tell you why it matters as far as it goes. Much to the chagrin of people who fall competitive, you do need to make sure things are somewhat even keel across all levels of the game because that is your support base for the very top. Think of uh, the entire game as a huge pyramid. You don't have the very top esports and the support that's behind it if you don't have all the ground level support. So things like enjoyability at lower levels of the game do matter, but it's about getting the balance of that right. Because for example, for Lucio, I feel like should they nerf him or change things so he's less mandatory at the high end, which is definitely something that should happen. We shouldn't be having Lucio 24 seven pick rate forever. Clearly that's an issue needs to change. The key is finding a way of reworking Lucio so that he doesn't disappear from lower levels of the game. So, I mean, I understand I what's being said here. Disappear, but no. wasn't that the I don't point think he'll that he ever made, though? But, what, but I'm saying, like, wasn't that Jeff's point that Lucio's not actually picked that much because lower-level players don't pick him? Right. right. So that's what he's Is that going to change but, anything? Like, well, yes, it is, going to, it is going to change it. If you nerf Lucio, you're going to make him be picked even less by consequence. That's going to go across well, I, I mean, levels. I don't, I don't and then the no. But the, the point that Jeff's getting at here is that they don't want to just slam Nurse or Lucio, Nurcio, <laughs> Lucio with a <laughs> nerf bat and then have him not be played at all in entire segments of the game. Well, That's not seen as acceptable. Yeah, so, I agree. Well, I agree, so but I don't think they that want- the competitive standpoint is to nerf him. I think it's to rework him. Because I think right. like move but speed that's up, what they're probably you know, going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. they're going to. They're they're taking a look at. In yeah, the end, well, what he said, exactly, they're taking a look right? At like that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. it's different. I'm not like take Lucio out of the equation. I'm talking about like looking at pick rates. Like if Winston's a five percent pick rate, like is there a scenario where they need to buff him? Like is that the mentality that they have? Like oh, Winston's not picked enough in gold. We oh, they definitely have that mentality. I mean, it's exactly. clear. Well, I, it's that, clear that's my problem, right? That's my problem, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like there's. You could make a hero like Meepo, who's like incredibly difficult to play for the best players yeah, in Dota. That's right. And he has a niche, but if you pick him and you're like in the lowest skill bracket, you will get dumpstered. <coughs> you will just continuously feed. And that's like, what's going to happen? Like that has to happen. That's like a normal, like growing pain of video games. So like, that's kind of my like kind of weird. Right. But the way that Blizzard would go about a Meepo hero games, like let's say Meepo was the storm. And uh, granted, there's completely different dev teams. The team four is very different from team one. Don't get me wrong, but there is an idea here where you try, want to make things more accessible. So I think if Meepo were in Heroes of the Storm, what happened is that they would still be okay with him having the high-end option that if you pick at a lower level, you're going to get crushed. But they would still probably try and go, can we add an alternate way of playing him? Some sort of game-defining talent at level one that now lets Meepo be played in a different, less powerful way, but is far more accessible. So I think when you look at Lucio... And potential reworks it's, there, what you'd want to do is you'd want to find something to give him that can be pretty effective at lower levels of play, while perhaps not affecting the high end too much, or just rework him in general. I mean, it's, it's a... It, make it, him more fun. I think yeah. the problem with Lucio's pick rate right now is he's not fun to play. And I think it's the same for Winston. Like, yes. I think at, at the very baseline of core design, beyond competitive, is, is this hero fun to play and fun to play against? And it, it, do I feel rewarded when I make a big play? And you don't really on Winston or Lucio, well, and even I, Reinhardt to an extent. I think it's one of those things where, I mean, everybody I think is making great points. It's, it's just, it's one of the... the it's the classic issue when it comes to, you know, just games and having a casual and a, a pro scene of where you don't want a character that's generally easy to play, you know, like lower skill cap to have enormous amount of power too. And I mean, this happens in every game. Like, so because, you, you know, you want 
those those characters or those heroes to be very difficult to play, like the Meepos, like you just made, or the Anas, you know, what, whatever it is, right? Something like a healer that requires hit scans, things like that. But um, you know, whenever you get to the point where Lucio is, you know, played across the board, and I guess he's not played as much at the lower level, which is crazy because I think that Lucio is the most accessible. <laughs> like you, you don't even have to push a button; you heal people around you. You know, it's like he's he's probably one of the most well, yeah, uh, but here's casual the friendly. Are they, are they teaching people how to play that? Because I've heard time and time again. Oh, I thought I just oh. like so. There's honestly, there it is like a knowledge gap. There's a huge, there's a huge knowledge gap. Yeah, one thing yeah, to note here, when yeah. talking about Winston Lucio too, is that there's a trick here. This is where it's difficult because everyone's preferences are different. But when you make accessible heroes that are as accessible as Aaron, don't get me wrong, Winston very clearly has a high skill uh, cap from what we've seen here. Even though it's not the thing is, it's more subtle. It's not in your face. Mm-hmm. Right. You can get addicted to playing a hero like McCree because you're missing shots, and you know. I could be hitting all these shots for Winston. It's a little, the addictiveness skill wise is not in your face as it is with a McCree because you're not going to hit a situation where you're not landing your shots. You're just not mechanical. Not. So it's like, more yeah, strategic and positioning. Yeah. But, it's, but it's the skill there comes from your judgment and game sense, yeah, right. which probably even if you're not very good at shooting is not necessarily creating the same level of addictiveness that other heroes might be giving you. I think, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I wasn't even going That's as far as to say that like Winston was in this weird spot. I was more or less going towards the side where we compl- like people were saying that Mercy feels really weak now compared to Anna and Zenyatta. And then like they referenced Mercy has the highest pick rate across all of Overwatch or something. And that like Reinhardt was like number 13. So like they don't view Reinhardt as like, well, the- I, my, my point was more or less that like pick rate should not be determining like where you start balancing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think like, as, as a yeah. general philosophy, it shouldn't dictate everything. Pick rate is a smoke uh, signal, though. It's one of those things where there's not always fire behind the smoke, but it's a case where you can use it to look at things that are strong outliers. And that is proven game balancing to some extent, where if something is picked an insane amount of times relative to everything else, that smoke, there could be fire in that it's overpowered, or vice versa, and where you have the opposite, where it's picked very little, and then maybe it's too weak. doesn't always right. coincide one-to-one, but that's definitely a signal to look at, and you want right. to figure out why. All right, well, uh, one last point before we wrap up. Uh, the, there's one uh, thing about in-game tournaments. So, of course, it was asked. seems like it's asked all the time. Uh, and he said that it is, a, it is something they want to work on, but, of course, it's low priority. They have, a, obviously, a lot of things to still work on. I can't wait for... When's the next iteration of the spectator mode going to come out? Because... There's still some work to be done there too. They've right? been updating it every single patch. Like yeah. PTR is different yeah. right now, but for some reason they keep keeping that red font. And I like, I'm gonna oh, complain God. every single time too. that I see it. I'll be like, right there with you. We've we come a long ways. Ep and I were just remedying. Sent charges. You didn't oh. have hero health. The heroes are at the bottom of the screen. So we've come a long way as far as spectating goes. Not to say there isn't work to be done, but we're happy for the kill feed mostly. Having knowing True. how someone died off camera is so important because it changes how everything else works. Yeah, yep. yeah. Okay, well, uh, why don't we wrap up? Because I know these guys got to get ready and uh, you know cast tonight. So uh, it's been a fantastic show. I think one of these lighter weeks always end up being like full, full weeks. That's what I love about doing the overview every week. Uh, but ZP Hex, yeah, thanks for thanks for dropping by. Hex is your first time on too, so you know it was, it was yeah. great pleasure having you on, and hopefully we can do it again. Uh, you guys want to do some shout outs before you take off? Start with you, uh, ZP. Go ahead. 
I'm not going to go through the full list of shout-outs, but I'll just say uh, check out Carbon Entertainment tonight. Uh, three best of fives. It's going to be a long night, but a good night. Lots of Overwatch heading your way later on. Also, follow this guy on Twitter at Hexagram. <laughs> uh, follow that guy on Twitter. I believe it's oh, nice. uh, TempoZP. TempoZP, you can find him at. Uh, we had a moment we wanted to talk about, so I just want to give good luck to our friend Bishop, who's going to be coaching Cloud9. Yes. We had the pleasure of meeting him in London in the tournament that wasn't. Uh, very smart guy. He talked about wanting to coach immediately, and if any team could benefit from a coach right now, I think it could be Cloud9. Wish Bishop yeah, they've all already, luck in his coaching They've already endeavors. been benefiting from it. So yeah. it seems Bishop, like, Bishop yeah. I just want to, like, I met him personally. He was amazing very intelligent i'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring blame got shouts no, i mean i just wish i had someone living with me for a month that could promote me the way they promote each other <laughs> i'll promote him follow i'll promote him follow him play on at least you have doggo flames doggo yeah don't doggo, underestimate doggo it. trumps doggo's better than hex is that what you're saying <laughs> I mean, it's possible. It's I, once I teach her, there we go. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. nice. Any shoutouts, man? Nothing. Yeah, I mean, shoutouts to my Discord. Yeah. My, All right, cool. I'm I'm having a good time. I think right now it's getting better in terms of Overwatch. Like its content is now there. There's obviously more tournaments. There's more games to watch, and like that lull after MLG is starting to go away, or it's feeling like it's going away. So we got our extra hour of sunlight. Like I'm just in a better mood. <laughs> the extra hour of sunlight, man. Most people are are pissed because they lose a an hour. They of lost sleep, their hour man. of sleep, but we yeah. need an hour of sun every single day for the next like six months. I think they'll get over it. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, follow this guy twitter.com slash matt r zero d. <laughs> I'll be your partner in crime there, uh, and I'll round things out by thanking the three of you guys, Flames, EP, and Hex, for doing the show with me this week, and um, everybody for watching too. Uh, follow the show's Twitter at twitter.com slash. Uh, the overview GG. And you can find the bots all on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash chamanv, and the it'll be up on iTunes a little bit later tonight. The VODs will be up about 30 minutes after this, and um, yeah, iTunes always takes a little bit. But if you're on anything else, like audio-wise from a feed standpoint, it goes up instantly. So um, if you're using Google or whatever, you'll see it immediately. But that's going to be it, guys, for the overview this week. So for ZP, Hex, Flame, and myself, chamanv, we'll see you next week. Later.